Hey there, folks. Just a quick intro this week as the episode ran long. We are back. It's the Uticast, episode 211. We are joined this week by the man behind the beer hub and Green Onion Pub, Colin Hubbard. Finally, uh, Colin Hubbard. Colin Hubble, who's finally here after two weeks of me playing phone tag with him. We've been very busy men, but we're glad I got this interview out for you. Uh, also this week, we're going to talk about earthquakes in California, uh, millennials, things the internet is mad at, history lessons. Uh, Justin is here to talk a little bit about Handshake City's Christmas in July this weekend. All of that and so much more, folks. We are happy, as always, to have you here. Oh, yeah. Folks, welcome back. Uh, it's the Uticast, episode 211. Uh, we are joined this week by the man I've been playing phone tag with for two weeks, Colin Hubble. The I man, love Colin. He's a great guy. You still have food in your mouth. I'm sorry, I'm so hungry. <laughs> Colin's amazing. He's amazing. One of my favorite people. Uh, of course, you know Colin from the Beer Hub or the Green Onion Pub or any of his various ventures over the last few years. Great guy. We had a great conversation. I'm glad we got to sit down and finally talk. My stepdad is so excited. It's like my stepdad has been begging me to get Colin on because he's become a bit of a regular down at the Beer Hub. Your stepdad loves the Beer Hub. He does <laughs> love it. Great place. He's doing great with that. Uh, and I did you ask him why he closes at nine? Because I was always curious yeah. about that. Why do they close at nine? We should ask him the next oh, time we see him. We're gonna do a we're doing an event with him coming up, so okay. we will see him again very soon. Um, but I asked him during the interview uh, this question, and he put. Uh, my stepdad's uh, fears aside, but I was curious if you'd ever dealt with this in any line of work that you guys have been working in your lives. My stepdad has collected about 15 to 20 of those beer hub tokens, like yeah, the gift yeah. chips. Mm -hmm. But he feels weird going in there and not spending any money and just giving the tokens. He feels like a jerk. You just got to tip really well. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. My husband's the same way, though. Yeah, he won't it's... use them. He'll just pay. I'm like, we just got why are you using that? No, yeah, I'm, I can definitely agree with like because from working on Varick Street uh, for a long time and getting so many beer chips, you know, I've got tons of chips from places like you know, all all the spots down there in Varick Street that I go to all the time. And if you're gonna use one, if you've got one in your pocket or whatever, just like tip the cost of the drink along with it is kind of a, yeah. you know, one hand washes the other. But yeah, for the most part, I'm the same way. They just collect in a jar. <laughs> it's well, uh, I was trying to explain. Of course, uh, Heather and Kevin are here. By the way, of course, I am Sam as always. Uh, Host and producer, we're back. Uh, and the reason I, I was thinking about it, because like, it's almost like a gift card, right? Like, mm -hmm. Restaurants like gift cards. Places like gift cards, because those are sunk costs. Because if you spend that money on the gift card, mm. a lot of people just don't ever spend it. Yeah, Forget about like it. That's still money. Yeah, it's full yeah, profit yeah. no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's actually how MoviePass fell apart. I've been listening to that Spectacular Failures podcast. Mm -hmm. What was MoviePass? That was that thing where you buy the, the movie card service. and you just go to whatever movies? Yeah, because okay. they assumed that people would buy the card, and yes, it was cheap. For the cost of like, you know, it was cheap for the cost of a single movie, but some people wouldn't go every week or some people wouldn't take full advantage of it. Sure. And you'd make that money and then they just didn't because people, the only people who were buying it were like people who were going to use it mm -hmm. like twice a week or whatever it is, right? So, yeah, it's okay to use the tokens. 
Uh, Kevin, since uh, that was part of your intro segment, the, the tokens segment, so I'll stick with you yeah, here. Yeah, tokens. <laughs> um, you were also in Saratoga this week. Uh, you had some glowing words about the city of Saratoga. I love Saratoga. <laughs> Saratoga's great. It's, um, it's one of the best cities in the state, and it's the hidden gem of New York. It's got tons of cool little stores. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Tons, tons of stores. Yeah. Uh, I think the only thing, weirdly, that I ever think of when I think of Saratoga is the theme song for the racetrack from when we were kids. Saratoga. You know what I, don't about? Know. I don't know what that Again, is. We don't know. It was like a, it was their theme song for their ads from like the early '90s, where they were talking about like you know the racetracks and all the stuff in the casino, whatever they do up there, right? Yeah. And it's look it up on YouTube. I'll try and find it. The Saratoga like advertisements. They have this great like early '90s commercial jingle. It's phenomenal. Saratoga. Mm. Yeah. Again. I'm an insane person. I remember weird things <laughs> like that. Uh, Heather, you're back. Always happy to see you. Uh, you have a new watch I saw I that do. you're wearing. And then you were also mentioning, I didn't hear you talking about it with me because you're only talking with Kevin about it because you guys aren't really, you guys are better friends than me. And we them. are. <laughs> <laughs> you have a new hobby you're starting? No, I want to start, start mountain biking. Mountain biking. Like yeah. legit, so you're not buying a Peloton. You're going to go buy a bike and oh, just wait. find mountains. No, like <laughs> no, like go on trails and stuff. My son's right, liking his Strider bike right now. Mm-hmm. He loves going off-road. And what is a Strider trail. bike? It has no pedals. They learn to balance on oh, it. Oh, okay. So like he'll go down hills and he holds his feet right up in the air now. And he oh, balance. I see. So it gets him so he don't have to go training wheels. He kind of go right to a Yeah, yeah, that's bike. cool. So we'll go in the woods and he's hopping over things. And um, I said, well, this is something he likes, so I'm going to try it. What and, a good mom. Because he doesn't like rock climbing yet. He's not interested at all, and this is something he's interested in, so. Utica's granola mom, Heather. She's no, out here. No, but I like having fun. I like playing outside. <laughs> she if loves to have a good time. If you can't um, outside with me, what do I do? Stupid question that I'm just thinking immediately as we're talking about bikes. If you left the training wheels on a bicycle, how detrimental would it be to a person who could actually ride a bicycle? Would it limit your mobility? Having those little extra wheels on there. Certainly, if you're out of yeah, the mountains. Yeah, <laughs> out of the mountains, certainly. You can't do jumps right. and you can't turn around corners well. And... Yeah, screw your turning. Your turning would be shitty. Your turning right? would yeah. be terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. going to bypass okay. that part. All right. Uh, and also, I see you snacking on a bowl from, what is this, Core, Core Erie? We don't... My husband only picked this place for dinner. Core, if you're listening, send us money. Yeah, please yeah. send us. Not an ad. How does eating your chicken in the bowl? <laughs> it smells good. I've seen. For someone like who's, a barbecue chicken. Yeah. For someone who's never eaten anything from Core and isn't probably. Walk, yeah, isn't probably walking in there on my own accord. It's like a yeah. taco bowl. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it looks good. Yeah. It's like a healthy yeah. taco bowl. That's what makes How it healthy is it really, though? Not really. It's the I say that doesn't look super healthy. As healthy as you can get quickly for like 10 ish dollars. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, it is. It's like yeah. nine bucks. Sorry, little bit. Sorry. Well, no, that's fine. Go ahead. Take a snack. Uh, all I really have in terms of some updates this week, where Fourth uh, of July parade was a lot of fun. We had a great oh, time. I couldn't on. do it. Sorry. You didn't miss uh, much of the pedaling in the heat. Uh, that part, it was hot out there. It was very hot. Very warm out there. But you know what? I loved seeing all the folks on the street. It was a great turnout. I got to say, as opposed to the St. Patrick's Day parade, which was too cold, this one was too hot, and more people showed up for this. People will show up to a parade if it's hot out more than they'll show up to a parade if it's really cold out, for it sure. seems like. Yeah. But it was, good. it was a good route. People were very excited. They seemed to really enjoy the new updated Utica trolley. It looks great, Red. It does look I great. I love it. It did a really nice job. I love with. it. Uh, don't say it too loud. Justin's in the other room. He can hear you. He's going to get a big Justin looks head. great. All week. He's yelling it. about how he sweat it. all week from the other room. You guys can't hear it, but he, he's saying it. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Maiden Utica stuff, uh, Friday, 4 to 8 p.m., Christmas in July. Dunk Tank is back. Uh, Handshake City. Uh, come on out 4 to 8 p.m. on Friday. Come hang with us. It's a little, something different. And Friday night. Yeah, I'd like Friday to night. Good time. It's a good idea. Um, 
Looking forward to it. Also, is the Boilermaker this weekend? It's Sunday. This Sunday? Yeah. No one's running in it? None of us? We all did a bad job. None, none of us. We talked about it. I've been doing life. the runs. I feel like it snuck right up this year. I feel it like did. I haven't really heard much about Boilermaker this well, year. Well, it definitely sneaks up on me when I ignore those registration emails I get asking me if I'm going <laughs> to sign up this year, and I keep Makes going, sense. oh, put it off, and then it sneaks right up on it's me. It's too um, hot. Like it has nothing to do with the heat. Is that I'm embarrassed with my physical shape. I need to get in better shape between now and next time. Hot takes for myself. It's true. I don't feel like I'm feeling a little soft in the middle. You gotta get a mountain bike. You gotta start going to yeah, mountain biking. Start I know. The chicken bowl I should core and get a mountain Stop. bike. So maybe Heather will take you. Make Heather your guru. See? Yeah. Turn your life around. Yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> life coaching with Heather. Also, shout out to our good friends Devin and Brianna at the Uptown who are doing their event oh, as well. Yeah. The Boiler Faker, which is like a, a one mile mm-hmm. walk, ends in yeah. a party. Good call. Smart. Not a bad idea at all. Not I think a, it's a great idea. Not a bad idea. I like it. Uh, oh no! I left my phone somewhere. What did I do with it? Oh, you're gonna have to fly notes. blind for the whole show. Ah, no so disappointing. Uh, <laughs> no, he's got those printed uh, out in the highlights. No, those the history. You know it's true. Oh, can you grab my phone right there? Sure. Oh, you're the best. See, you saved the show, Heather. Uh, let's get <laughs> let's get into this week's uh, let's get to this week's news. I suppose. Oh, uh, one last thing about Fourth of July. I did not go to the fireworks. I bailed out by the time the fireworks were supposed okay. to happen. Uh, it was late at night, we were tired, it was a long day, and I just made the decision to to bypass fireworks. Being out in the heat all day will really zap you pretty good, especially yeah. if you're eating, drinking a couple beers, stuff like that. By the time that you know the sun is set and you're done, you don't want to go anywhere else. We didn't watch them either. We, we set off fireworks up at my uncle's house. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fireworks. <laughs> and it was, depending on who you ask, uh, certain cousins and dogs felt different ways, but it was probably like a... Four on the scale of dangerous. Some people would say seven, but uh, fireworks being legal is really a whole different game for people who got some land. Like they live way up out in Marcy, and it's crazy some of the stuff you can just buy now. Yeah. So is explain this to me like I'm five. Is it legal to buy fireworks in New York? Yeah, they sell them right on like. They sell. I think all the ones they sell in the little stands though. I think are like bottle rockets and like Roman yeah. candles mm-hmm. and like you know things like that. The people. A lot of people. There's. If you know a guy who knows a guy, there's yeah. people who will ship stuff from across state lines, like Pennsylvania, stuff like that, mm-hmm. and there's spots I where see. if you know, you can go I to see. a warehouse somewhere, mm-hmm. and people will sell, like, the cardboard artillery cannon, the ones <laughs> that, that go up all the way up <laughs> in the sky, like, you know, display-style fireworks. I, here's my Sam getting old A lot moment. of people just drive to Pennsylvania, though. It's yeah, pretty close. Mm-hmm. Here's my Sam getting old moment of the week. Uh, I was at an event that had a bunch of like, a big bag of like miscellaneous fireworks, and I used into the bag, and I pull. I don't know what they're called, but maybe black cats. The ones that look like the little pellets, like like two hundred, like twenty to thirty little tiny dynamite sticks, oh, yeah. all attached. Oh, yeah. One, yeah, mm-hmm. it, and it's like sort of fan shaped yeah. almost. Yeah. yeah, I was like, man, I was holding it in my hand. I'm looking at, it, I'm like, I could lose my hand so easily. <laughs> and someone was sitting there talking to me. About the game is you're supposed to hold them as long as you can and throw them so that they blow up in the air. I'm like, no, no way. That's how you I'm end not, up with missing fingers. That's how you end up like John Pierre, like uh, JPP. I wonder. I wonder about those ones. We used to remember when we were kids because everybody used to have those. They would break them off one at a time. One at a time. Cut the fuse really short when you break them off one at a time, so you light it and you throw it at somebody. <laughs> and it's. At somebody. I mean, I don't think you're not going to lose your hand. You never know. I think you have a bunch of them. If you held off. them in your hands and just held them and they went off, like a whole bunch you'd of them, you'd horribly fuck your hand up. You would lose Pardon your my hand. French. You might not, you know, you would lose your hand certainly in it, spirit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not, yeah, you're not having a good time. It might time. still be there, but you might not want it anymore. Uh, I did get uh, one uh, more, much more harmless and adorable version of this was uh, 
uh, Damien and uh, Asher. Mm-hmm. Two kids. Yeah. Like, there's so many right. little kids running around now that I forget. Right. They discovered those little pop ones that you throw oh, on the throw on the, the ground. ground yeah, and they, those are great. Those are great. Those are the best ones. Kids love those. I, yeah. I enjoyed those because you can pretend that they hurt when the kids throw them at you. Like, mm-hmm. oh, stop. I always like the smoke bombs. Oh yeah. Smoke bombs. Yeah. Smoke bombs. Are the are colored good. smoke bombs. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah they would come in mm-hmm. the packages with the four colors yeah. and make like a really acrid, bright smoke <laughs> yeah. that would stay low to the ground. Yeah. Oh man, fireworks! I feel like pound for pound, you can't beat the Roman candle, though. The Roman candle. Do you want to tell the story about how we almost a lot set... of stories? <laughs> a lot of stories. We almost set a lot my friends. Say a lot of things. Yeah, friend, our friend <laughs> Steve, our friend Steve, GFOP of the podcast, Steve. We mentioned sometimes we used to go hang at his house, and we decided that the best way to start the bonfire behind the house that was built of pallets and covered in lighter fluid and gasoline the 10, 12 pallets. Ten, yeah, huge, a massive amount, like an irresponsible amount of pallets. Um, was to stand at a distance and fire... Somewhat of a distance. <laughs> Somewhat of a distance. And fire Roman candles toward them like uh, like grenade launcher mm-hmm. and uh, and blow up the flame. Funny story about Roman candles. When you fire them at a flat thing like a plank on a pallet, they, they will bounce. ricochet. They no bounce. Oh, yeah. Bounce right yeah, yeah. Yeah, they could, they could go anywhere, Heather. Almost. And, uh, anywhere they did. And sometimes they bounce right back at the person who's shooting them. And sometimes that person, in reaction, fires another shot wildly at a crowd of people. It's you know, you never know. A lot of those things happen. America, America is really. I I think we. This should have been my history question for the week. When did we decide that fireworks was America? Is that like the seventies? We're going back further than that. The fifties? No, it was always a part. As soon as we could, as soon as we could, only stand to describe things in like seven words or less. We're like, yep, fireworks, America. That's fireworks, it. yeah. Can't bother to. Well, we didn't it invent. Further. We didn't invent the fireworks. The Chinese the invented Chinese. the fireworks. Yeah, I know. So it's not an us thing. We I'm didn't saying, invent it. We just co-opted it. We were setting off fireworks in that backyard at my uncle's house on the Fourth of July. I was thinking about how scary it must have been when the Chinese would show up to war for people who had never oh, seen yeah. these. Because like these mm-hmm. are deafening, and they're like right over. You know, it's a big yard, but it's not that big. Mm-hmm. And we're just looking at them like, I couldn't imagine <laughs> if these guys came roaring down the hills, shrieking with fireworks going off. No wonder they won so many wars. Because we're really scared. Like, what is that? Showmanship yeah. goes a long way. And, uh, I would think it's like magic. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a wizard. They probably so. did. Uh, so let's go to two real news stories that I was planning on talking about. But again, this yeah. week we've blown way past everything. We're talking about fireworks. I love it. No, it's great. It's good stuff. Uh, you guys ready for our millennial check-in of the week? We've been a couple. We've been away from checking in on the things that millennials have ruined. Uh, I've heard a new one. This is here's a good one this week. Uh, census.gov put out a report on July first of this year, going back to July first of last year. Mm. Uh, you know, and it's talking about a lot of you know questions about population, things like that. And one of the things it found out is that almost all of the fastest growing cities in America are suburbs. And the reason is that young people are seeking lower prices and a higher quality of life than the crowded, expensive cities. Uh, can offer people are getting locked out of like big cities and moving to smaller places like Frisco, Texas, Nolansville, Tennessee, Lakewood Ranch, Florida, Scottsdale, Georgia. Guys, which one of these four lovely cities would you like to move to? No, no Utica, New York. It's the same thing. Like yeah. that's really that's part of the same wave that is supplying a lot of the stuff you see going on in Utica today. Think about how many people we talk to when they talk about why they like it here, why mm-hmm. they've chose it here. They're like, well. It's affordable to live here. You know what I mean? The people are here. And you look around. I mean, we know so many people raising young families. You know, oh, yeah. and stuff like that around here. So I think it's part of the same wave right here where we're living. Um, so it's really interesting, too. A lot of the... if you, I'm not going to dig through all these census graphs. But if you're interested, go to census.gov and check it out. There's some really cool information in here. Uh, most of the 
fastest growing cities seem to be in Texas. Like four mm-hmm. of the top six, five of the top set, the ten or whatever, are all mm-hmm. like Texas cities. They're all in the south. Uh, you don't see a lot of northeast stuff. That's the thing that's interesting. You well, wonder. We have snow. We have People snow. Like the weather. People like the weather. Is it a Texas thing too? New York upstate northeast seems to have. I mean, I bet if you asked about it on Facebook, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> it would a be point. a Cuomo thing. Specifically, people Ooh. won't move to Massachusetts because of Cuomo. Won't <laughs> <That's laughs> come to the Northeast. Hey, stay out of the Northeast. Isn't he like the regional prince of the Northeast? <laughs> he seems like it. He um, took our safe act. <laughs> we knew a Cuomo. He's a uh, let's do something that's uh, very serious, though. Um, you know, I hope that everyone out in California is doing okay after these horrible earthquakes. Because like, oh I my, saw that. Oh my God. Like Seven point one and a six point. It's almost one of those things where you see so many earthquakes in other places that, like, when I read it, I was like, because it was in the middle of the night, yeah. I was like, wait, wait, what happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two earthquakes uh, within, like, within the same day. One was six point four. One was seven point one. These are two of the largest earthquakes uh, the states ever had, and they both happened within a single day. A lot of people in the state are, you know, obviously concerned that this is a precursor to like a very, very massive earthquake, right? For sure. Uh, and there's a really scary story on CNN, and I don't know, you know, this is CNN, so this is their words, not mine. The earthquake itself created a massive crack in the earth that was visible to satellite images, which is a... That's always one of the creepiest things that we just, so like, really just have panic attacks. Every time I see, like, an earthquake movie, or any time they're doing stuff like that, or even, like, the movie yeah. 2012, or The Day After Tomorrow, all that kind of thing... What's happening? Standing there and watching the ground crack in an earthquake would be horrifying. Oh my god, yeah, because there's no, you can't do anything about it. Even in, like, the crazy scenario, like, even in a crazy scenario, like, this is a stupid scenario, but you get attacked by a lion, okay? You're probably going to die, right? But it's time. Big time, a hundred percent. But at least it's like, well, I can run away. I can. Nope. What, you can talk yourself into something. How do you control like nature? I'm gonna stay away from that chasm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. But what, what, the whole chasms. I don't know. There's something very, because uh, it's very. It's it, it's almost. It's emotionless. It's you know about I mean? the like, scale. It's, it's like uh, a Lovecraft monster. It is. It's like an elder yeah. horror. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those it, things where it's so. The scale of it is so massive and it's so indifferent to your pure human for. existence yeah. that it's like mind-numbing, makes you go crazy. Yeah, it, it goes on in in defiance or ignorance of the things that exist on the planet that it's affecting. Still rather deal with that than a volcano. Yeah, definitely. More than the sinkhole, too? We talked about the sinkholes. Did you see rough. this car? Sinkhole's like a sinkhole? small thing. Yeah. Sinkhole's Sometimes. like a side dish. Huh? Yeah, they are like a side dish. It probably it's comes with the earthquake and the volcano. You get a couple yeah. sinkholes here and there. Yeah, volcano Volcanoes though again. Destroy, but you could fall in an earthquake, or there's a chance to go. A volcano would just melt you. You're done. Volcano's got there's the nothing. imagery. No, there's so many other ways. Imagery, true. It's like it's got like all the, the skies are black with the cloud and the bright yeah. red burning lava and all that stuff. It's like hell on earth. They're like, well, the devil's come up through the mountain. We're gonna die. <laughs> this is depressing. Uh, well, no, see, we live up here, so we don't have. Where we we'll last to go? Uh, it is one of those things no. too. Like it's sort of this is another weird analogy. Like um, it's kind of like. Like, I don't want to be LeBron James, like, the person. That like, it seems like a lot. Speak for yourself. But it would be cool to be LeBron James for, like, 30 seconds to see what it's like to be that, like, big and strong and talented, you, you know, right? Take yourself a weekend. A week, whatever. Take sure, a right. weekend. Saying, I don't 30 want, seconds, like, you're just like, wait, what happened? And then you're back. I don't want to know. I don't want to be in an earthquake. But I would love to be, like, in an earthquake for, like, 10 seconds to be like, huh, so this is what it feels like, huh? All right, bye. And then teleport back out. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm very I know, curious. I am curious to see how it I'm feels. I'm so curious like... to be like, how would you, like, 
do you feel the ground? Is your house moving underneath you? Like, I'm yeah, so curious. I'm, yeah, I want to. I'm very curious about what that sensation is actually like. Chris Mandry, call me after. after is this Chris? Oh, oh my yeah. God, is Chris okay? We gotta call Chris. We gotta call Chris. Somebody call Chris. Has anybody talked to Chris Mandry? So please shout out Chris Mandry. He's on the internet no, tweeting. I'll, I think. You know what? All jokes aside, I saw. I read in the article that it turns out it looks like um, any deaths and injuries were pretty low level for something of this size. So it yeah. looks like you know. Certainly not the worst case scenario, mm-hmm. but if I lived out there, I feel like anytime something moved, I heard something like, like fall outside my house. I'm like, what's going on? Uh, and this was going to be our end segment, but since we've gone so long, I guess we'll just hit it and see what you guys want to talk about. Uh, it's a new segment. I've come up with another new segment. Uh, it's called What's the Internet Mad About? Today oh, I have two topics. I can already uh, see you. They're both Disney movies, so are you ready? Uh, the first one is People Are Mad. Uh, about the uh, Disney casting a black actress to play Ariel in the new Little Mermaid movie. Uh, the hashtag NotMyArial uh, movement has begun on Twitter. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts about, uh, about the anger of people on Twitter about this casting decision? <laughs> I don't have really, too many. That's all I have for you. <laughs> I mean, the, really? the, general, the general argument seems to be, well, in the movie, she is a white redheaded woman, right? To which my counter response is, she's also a fish and lives yeah. in the ocean. So you can kind of do whatever you want with it. It's not, like, I don't know. I think it's great, except for all the old marketing stuff isn't going <laughs> to, the dolls and well, everything won't match with it. Well, then they can make new dolls it's and true. make more They're money. Well, I don't care. I think it's dolls. great. They, listen, I mean, you can, you can deem this whether this fits Conspiracy Corner or not, but Disney's a very large company. Disney's got mm. a very formidable oh. and multifaceted oh, marketing department. <laughs> and they understand that they can make money on both ends and they can kick up a lot of storm and a lot of free internet marketing by getting the whites on the internet mad about somebody <laughs> besides an Aryan princess playing a Disney princess. And people will go see the live action because people will support it to do this. The people who boycott yeah. it will still talk about it every single day. Yeah. And Disney will keep counting checks. They did the same thing with Cinderella. And pillaging yeah. our childhood. They're going to do it with every one of them. They did it with Cinderella. They've done it with all of them. They'll keep doing it. I think it's by design. I think the outrage is a marketing uh, gimmick. I'm already bored with this one. This this uh, this outrage. It's movement. not even real. It's, it's one of those things you hear. I'm already, like, okay, I was already like, okay. And then the other one is a newer one. Uh, last night during the Women's World Cup, which we will talk about in the second segment, I promise. Um... They aired a trailer for the next Disney live-action project, Mulan, which, uh, you know, it looked fine. Yeah. Uh, but what's the internet mad about? One, it is no longer a musical. They've cut all the songs Good. from the original. Nice and, to be mad about something where like, yeah. it's actually kind of like, well, wait, I like and, the songs. And number two, they got rid of the dragon voice by Eddie Murphy character. So what it seems like is they've taken... Yeah, Mushu. They've taken this movie and sort of said, we're making like an epic military style movie we're not doing any of the fantasy elements of it mm. i kind of like it i, 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 I was just gonna say i, I, I saw the previous the first one i've seen i actually like i was like yeah I watch. well because what's what's the thing everybody's complaining about is like oh they're remaking these movies exactly the same way exactly they were the same, animated yeah. just with live people mm-hmm. well okay we're gonna try to do something different because we believe we have a great story and a great character yeah. i like it i think it's, I, actually, I like mulan a lot when i was younger though i always say that's kind of like an underrated disney movie yeah, probably. I think in the great in the grand scheme of things, they do, people don't talk about it the way they talk about Aladdin, Lion King. I think King, it's one of the last the ones I was really young enough for to like dig in I don't, a like bit. I don't know who we talked about this with, but I think Hercules was the the one that a lot of people of my age range yeah, sort of said they. Hercules. It was like that was the one where it's like I think we're done here. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I actually liked Hercules, but again, I also watched it, said that was good. I think we're done here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I think I, think I don't think I ever saw it. Hercules. Yeah. I never saw Hercules. 
it had an I like Tarzan. Yeah, Tarzan. I ride for that Tarzan. Was the last one. That might have whichever yeah. one came out after the other one between Mulan and Tarzan is probably the last one. Hercules had a bit of like a Motown vibe with its music, and I, I appreciated that. It had a very like the soundtrack was very cool, and then there was also that weird Kenny G song or what's the name? Not uh, not Kenny G. Michael Bolton. That was oh was, yeah, Michael Bolton. Mm. So uh, Tarzan had Phil Collins, oh, and it had yeah. that really you know, spoiler alert. It had that really brutal death scene for the villain. Wow. Very dark. Harsh Very for a dark. Disney movie. Look that one up on the internet, America. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Yeah, America. America. <laughs> all right, let's get Fireworks. To... <laughs> Fireworks. Let's, let's get to this week's interview uh, with a man who I've been very excited to talk to for a long time. My stepdad. He's taller than me. He's ta- yeah, we talked... he is. It's a great segue because the very first thing we talked about was getting out of the way the fact that it's bad radio that we're going to talk about is height. Uh, and what it's, it's like true. to be tall. Uh, it's and very rare for someone to be yeah. tall. We should have done a tall guy interview. Tall guy. <laughs> just two tall that's guys. What I, that's going to be my new rule. Anybody who's taller than me, I'm interviewing. <laughs> so, uh, you know Colin from the Beer Hub. You know him from the Green Onion Pub. Uh, and now, you will know him from this excellent interview we had. Uh, take it away. Uh, Colin, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Again, I always like to start with a good, bad radio segment for people who are not in the room, just listening to our voice. You are a very tall gentleman. I don't know if people tell you this all the time. How tall are you? I have a, My roommate's crazy tall, so I have yeah. this conversation all the time with people. Uh, I think I'm six, five and a half. Six, five and a half. Yeah. Do you, is that a gift or a curse? I have this question. <laughs> that's, that's actually a great question. Yeah, it's uh, mostly a curse. Have, have people asked you your whole life why you don't like play football or basketball or anything like that? Usually it's just a uh, matter of minutes before somebody asks me, uh, <laughs> or more like tells me that if they had my uh, height, they'd be, they'd be in the NBA. You know, that was, yeah. <laughs> Is it within the first like ten questions? That was well. First, it's do you play basketball? Do you play basketball? Uh, yeah. Which I came up with a pretty good response that I uh, took from a buddy in DC, um, where I lived for a few years. I used to work with my friend Adam, and he was about my height, and uh, people would ask him the same thing, and he would tell them I'm a ho- that he's a horse jockey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's good. that's usually where I go with that. Um, uh, it's got to be for us. Kevin gets mad because my roommate Kevin, guys on the show, he's uh, he's six foot five or something like that. Yeah, he's a big and kid. For years, it's always been like, oh, why don't you, why aren't you like uh, a football player? Why aren't yeah. you a linebacker? Yeah. For me, because I'm a, I'm a nerd. I always tell him, like, if I were you, I would have been the WWE champion. Yeah, I would right. have been, like, Andre the Giant. I would have been crushing people. Yeah. Um, but, again, again, there's probably... What's the biggest downside about being tall that nobody talks about? I'm sure they talk about it, but traveling just... Traveling, stinks right? Yeah. Because they just... You know, the FAA... Uh, the Senate basically signs off on any kind of FAA reg... Right, to right. ...to make the seats smaller... Sure. ...and smaller and smaller... So that by the time you get to somebody who's even <laughs> probably over six feet, it's it's getting rougher and rougher to travel. But 
Kevin tells me it's concerts, if you, especially if it's a band he likes and you want to get up close to the band. You feel like there's no way that you're not like everyone behind you is always pissed it. off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I usually give people a mm. decent berth in front of me if they want to get <laughs> yeah. in front. But at a concert, they also use you as like a uh, a beacon. Doesn't matter, like it's some, true. Somebody's always <laughs> looking for somebody, and when they're cutting through, they always bump into you, or mm. you know, they're. Uh, They'll pick you to meet up with. Like a fullback, too. If Kevin was always around, I would have him fullback for me. He's so big that if he goes through the crowd, he leaves a little wake behind him. Yeah, I can just yeah. sort of swim in his wake, like yeah. one of those little fish behind a shark. Um, yep. Colin Hubble, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, yeah, I appreciate me. Oh, no, it's my great pleasure. How was your 4th of July? Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, let's see if I can remember what I did. <laughs> it's always a good sign. Um, usually, I my memory doesn't go back farther than... Uh, a day or two. Get goldfish. So That's good. <laughs> I, um, I went up to Mowdown. Oh, nice. I actually brought the band's beer. Oh. Uh, my friend Damon was uh, in a pinch for time, and he said he had to run up a turn, and I said, hey, do you want me to bring that up for you tomorrow? And he said, oh, yeah. So <laughs> nice. I brought all the band's beer. Hmm. Were you a fan to begin with, Mo? I've, I've been following Mo yeah. uh, probably for... Over 20 years. Oh, wow, really? I I wouldn't consider myself a a moron, as they call themselves. (laughs) Is that the fan base? But I do enjoy seeing that from time to time. Uh, I have uh, have a couple quick questions I want to start before we get into our interview. Two things uh, that I noticed. I'm not going to blow up your uh, Facebook profile or anything, but I noticed when I was doing my research that your profile picture is Skeletor. Yeah, yeah, good catch. uh, Why Skeletor? I'm so curious. I think I just... uh, identify with that that character <laughs> most days <laughs> i watched this documentary on netflix a couple of days ago and it was about um the toys that made us it was called and there was all these different like each episode was about like a toy from the 80s or 90s and they had this whole episode about he-man and it was actually really fascinating yeah, yeah. especially like skeletor is probably more famous than the actual character he-man he's the most ca- famous character from that that whole like cartoon and that whole universe yeah and I think it's just that crazy voice from the cartoons that I love so yeah. much. That, that weird cackly, like, I'll get you, yeah, man. Yeah. I love it. It's, yep. um, it's also a really cool design. Yeah. If I, I had thought about a, a Skeletor tattoo, but I feel like every dude has a Skeletor tattoo at some point. Somewhere. I would, uh, I'd like to see that. No tattoos? Do you got any tattoos? I actually don't. No? Um, just never could think of anything I, I wouldn't wake up in the morning and be sick of. I think once you get to a certain point where you don't have tattoos, like a certain age, certain place, it doesn't seem like there's any good point to start. It's like, what am I gonna? <laughs> am I just gonna start now? I gotta know where. Why now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I got one early on, and it's like once you have one, it's like, well, I have one. I guess I could get seventeen yeah, more. I have a buddy like that. Once he got into it, it is addictive in that mm-hmm. weird way. Uh, the other question I had for you uh, is my stepdad, Mike Kyleaver. Yeah, to Mike. Yeah, he loves the beer house. Favorite place in the whole world. And uh, this year for his birthday, Father's Day, you know, events, basically people just get him the tokens that you yeah. guys sell, the little, the beer tokens that you guys sell, right? He must have damn near $50 worth of free beer tokens. Uh-huh. He told me that he's concerned that he doesn't like going in there and just giving <laughs> the tokens because he feels like it's not the same. Can you set his mind at ease on the podcast that it's okay to spend those beer tokens? Because well, yeah, first off, shout out to Mike. Uh, great guy. <laughs> he's hilarious. I never knew the connection here. Oh, yeah, he's he my stepdad. One day, yeah. he, was, he was asking about Sam. I was like, Sam, wait, 
And then I connected the dots. <laughs> yeah. and he was asking me if I was going to do an interview. And I said, yeah, yeah. What, what, what His most about? requested interview probably yeah. is. <laughs> My mom requests a lot uh, of people. He doesn't always request people, but once in a while, he, he's like, you should bring Colin on. This. Great guy. Uh, uh, again, thanks for having me. Uh, hopefully somebody's interested in listening to this today with, with me on the show. But Mike usually comes in for lunch with his uh, two nephews, uh, Kevin oh, yeah. and Brian. Kevin who and are Brian, yeah. Characters unto themselves. Oh, yes. I... And... Uh, <laughs> They, they usually crack me up, too. But, yeah, Mike, uh, you can use those chips as much as you want. That's what they're there for. That's what they're there for, yeah, because that's yeah. what I keep trying to never, tell them. Never feel bad about that. People paid money for those. <laughs> you know? uh, Kyle, let's get back into your history a little bit before okay. we talk a little bit more about beer and the industry. And before we get started, you brought these two lovely beers for us, and I yeah. keep looking at them. What do, you, what do we have here, if you want to share with people? Yeah, I thought these would be nice for us to drink today. I've got this Founder's Sal Gold. Oh, nice. Basically, their take on you know adjunct lager. It's their version of Budweiser, but a lot tastier. Um, and then I have the uh, Sequench Ale Ooh. from Dogfish, uh, which is actually a blend of a Kolsch, a Goza, and a Berliner. Okay. So uh, a bunch of German styles there, and this one has lime juice, lime peel, and black lime and sea salt. I'm very glad that you brought this one because I was going to ask you about some beer stuff later on, and one of my questions was about sour beers. Do you have a preference between these two that you'd like? Whichever one you don't want. I like all beer for the most part. I'm going to try this Founders Solid Gold, there actually. You go. uh, you're having a Founders event right now at the <laughs> right now at as we speak. Yeah. Well, yeah. I appreciate this. I'm actually a big fan of Founders. Yeah. You guys aren't paying me for this, by the way. But uh, that was some... Uh, cheers. Thanks cheers. I'll salute. Thank you so much, sir. Hmm. That is good. Founder's Solid Gold, premium lager. It's delicious. Uh, I used to drink the Founder's Breakfast Dad. I think that was a good early oh. morning, uh, early era beer drinking one for me. And early morning if you're going to go early there. Morning. <laughs> uh, Colin, where were you born? Uh, Utica, New York. Well, actually, I think actually New Hartford because St. Luke's. St. Luke's. So you are born in St. Luke's, right? Yeah. Did you go to Utica schools growing up or were you somewhere else? So what I usually tell people is the only alma mater that's ever mattered in my life mm -hmm. was Jones School. Jones School, K, right, right, K through six, and when I went there, it was one class for every grade, mm. and I'm very fortunate to have had that experience. Mm. Um, I'm still some of my best friends, really, like five of my best friends I've mm. known since, like, first grade. Did so you have uh, brothers and sisters? I have an older sister and a younger sister, yeah. So, older sister, younger sister, your middle child, yep. where you, does that mean, like, you're, you're close to your friends and stuff? Did you have, like, yeah. close relationships oh, with yeah. friends because of it? Sort of like... Yeah, without having brothers. Yeah, you know, I had no brothers either. Yeah. And I, I think that, I was parent child of divorce, too, uh -huh. so I, I always think that growing up with a mom and sisters, I didn't have a lot of men around in my yeah. life. I think I do hold my male friendships very close because yeah. of not sort of having men yeah. around growing up. Definitely yeah. true, yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you close to your sister still today? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one's local and one's in Connecticut. But the uh, Sid's kids were in town the other day and we uh, watched the uh, parade from front of the Green Onion. Oh, yeah. I saw you out there. Had them behind the bar uh, <laughs> pouring themselves soda, showing them how that worked. So that was fun. What was high school like? Do you remember? High school. So I moved from South Utica to Clinton in 10th grade. Um, so it's I a tough went, year to move. Went, it is, grade. yeah. So I went up uh, into, I was the first class at Donovan. Oh, nice. Um, so 7th and 8th was kind of rough because you had so many students crammed into this uh, little grade school, Columbus. When did you graduate high school? 96. Okay, okay, okay. And then 9th yeah. grade was, was pretty cool at the new school on uh, West Utica. And then yeah. uh, we had a great march. We actually had... Um, 
we had spring break and then we came home um, and there was like four feet of snow. So there was so much <laughs> snow they gave us another week off. And then uh, a bunch of teachers said they they were getting sick from the glue or something. Yes, I remember. Oh, I remember. So we had this. another week after that. Off. So I had like almost <laughs> three weeks off. It's fantastic. <laughs> were you like a were you a sports guy though, music guy? Like what was your mo in terms of personality type back then? Just sort of um, doing your thing. Yeah, actually, I was telling my nephew this the other day and my niece. I said, guys, make sure you guys you know, develop some other skills yeah. and look at some other career paths. I mean, they're still young, but I said, you know, you, there's a good chance you won't be a professional dancer or a professional athlete. No, it's true. You know, and for myself, uh, gosh, I was so delusional. Uh, it wasn't until I was a freshman year in college that I realized like, oh, guess I'm not going to be a pro athlete of some yeah. sort. <laughs> well, Kevin, I think, you know, Kevin could probably speak to it as well. When I was, doing the band thing not that I was ever that good no but you still you think about it like when you're young you do think there is that air of invincibility we Mm -hmm. were like 18, 19, 20 playing in this band that I really was like I mean once I graduate like this is it full time this is what we're doing there was no question and then as you get older it's like "Mm, I'm gonna keep going to college just in case I should have listened to my mom she (laughs) she said uh, you should be a teacher and uh, I was like yeah teaching now every day I'm kind of kicking myself I go back and forth. Teaching's so funny because teaching's on the up algorithm now. Like it was on the down when I was when I was in college in in Hunter College in New York for teaching mm-hmm. for education. Uh, people were telling me at the time like, "Don't go into teaching. Don't go into teaching." Yeah. Like no one wants to teach. And now you're starting to see the upswing because there's not as many teachers. Yeah. And, and it's not easy. I don't mean to say it's easy. No, it's not. But you have to have it's you have to have the right sentiment and the type of personality to want to try every day at work because yeah. it's can be frustrating but it oh, can yeah. also be exhilarating right yeah. there are certain times when you just can't break through and it's hard mm-hmm. but you gotta keep going yeah. right and then when you do break through that feeling is great and that's a hard feeling to replicate yeah um so mvcc you went to first after high school um so i started at fredonia uh, fredonia um, okay interesting basically that was as far as my parents would let me go Right, right, okay. <laughs> oh, I went to Fredonia for, I think I made it three semesters. I didn't fail out, mm. but I was going nowhere fast. What was the degree at that point in time? Like, what were you thinking? Oh, exactly. There was no nothing, degree. Nothing. I, I just couldn't just make, I couldn't pull the trigger or anything. And that's one of the things I think that high schools really need to do, even junior high schools need to do a better job of getting kids to really kind of think about what they're good at and how that yeah. could be applied in a career setting. Because like I said, I just, the only thing that got me through, you know, my adolescence and high school was just playing sports. Yeah. I, I just, mean, if it wasn't for basketball, I mean, I grew up playing hockey. I grew up playing baseball, but then I moved to Clinton. I figured I'd stand out more on the hoops team. If it wasn't for basketball, granted, I had some good teachers and yeah. there's some nice kids there, great education there, but I would have hated high school. If it wasn't for hoops. Yeah, drama club for me was a big one. Like you, you got to have something else that makes you feel connected to the community yeah. there besides just the fact that you have to be there, right? It's, yeah. It's important. I tell my, I do these things with my kids all the time, not to get too far off track, with the, the thing called PLPs, personal learning plans. Every mm-hmm. year you sit down with the kids and you fill out these questionnaires and you ask them what's changed and what's stay the same. But one of the questions on the sheet is what do you, what job do you want to have when you're older, right? Uh-huh. And I would say even in high school, the number one answers are like, NBA player, 
YouTube, right. YouTube right. star. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, just all these wild things. Rapper. And, yeah, exactly. And it's like, come on, dude. It's like, if you were going to be a rapper, you'd be rapping right now. You <laughs> mean, like, if you were going to be in the NBA, you'd be on the team at school. You wouldn't just be, like, playing in a yard with your buddies, right? So, <laughs> but what I do tell them is when I was a kid, my irrational thought was I want to be a professional wrestler. I was like, I'm going to be the WWE champion, right? I'm certainly not the WWE champion. But you really wanted to be? I love professional wrestling. You really wanted to be the WWE yeah, champion? Yeah, did you see the Hulkster, the Macho Man over here? Yeah. Wow. That was like when I was a kid. Like I really wanted to do yeah. that. Like I loved wrestling, and I I did too. Um, but probably not to that degree. No, right. <laughs> but like, had I known, had someone told me as a kid, like you're not going to be a professional wrestler, but you could go to TV, you could go to work as a TV writer, or mm-hmm. you could be a, a producer, or you could work in like there's ways you could be around things right. you like right. and work in sort of fields that are interesting yeah, to because you because you're good at this because you're good at certain things, yeah. right? That aren't necessarily you have to fight Andre the Giant, right? right. Like, right. Mean? like. Right. I wish that someone had told me there were more paths toward the things you like besides like the most direct ones when I was a kid. Yeah. And that's something I try and tell a lot of my students when mm-hmm. they're looking for stuff. Well, that's great to have you yeah. because, again, a lot of these kids, they have no idea. Like, I knew I liked, or not, not necessarily my like, but I was good at history and English. And it's like, history oh, and where English. do you, oh, you go get a liberal arts degree and then what? It's tough for people. You know? Like, you, I'm like, yeah, I'm a history and English guy as well. Like, yeah. I have a history degree and I adolescent education is what I'm working on now. Mm-hmm. But, I think those skill sets sort of got pushed aside. Like people really want you to focus on math and science yeah. now, and yeah. there's good reason for it. But sure. I think the I notice it when I read like essays. Mm-hmm. For, like, like no one knows how to write. Oh, that's it's, what I, my, my freshman um, English. Uh, it was like a writing one on one or something like that, and I was like, these, it was exactly that. Yeah, couldn't believe these people it's were in brutal. college. <laughs> it's I think a lot of course of my math skills were probably kind <laughs> right. of old like the, to their writing skills. <laughs> that's the but. other point too. Like I can tell these kids will come in with like some history question, and I'll like sit down and go over it with them. I'll give them like a whole like here's all the sides of this blah blah blah. Check this and this and this and this and this. And then they'll be like, can you help me with this geometry? I'm like, step along to the tutors, kids. I got <laughs> I have nothing for you. Yeah. Angles, 180, yeah. 360. That's yeah. it. Uh, so then after Fredonia, then you end up at MBCC? So, yes, I, uh, you've done your research here, Sam. Uh, I always do my research. <laughs> well, I, uh, I did three semesters at Fredonia, and then, you know, like, I wasn't doing great. Uh, so I came back to MV. Yeah. Um, you know, I got a part-time job at... Uh, Franco's on the corner of, mm-hmm. uh, there's a Centrex there now, I think, um, yeah. across from Slice, where Slice is now. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking and, about. Uh, yeah. I was at MV for two years. Yeah, I like that. And, a, uh, yeah. I have an associate's in there as well, actually, and I think MV gets a, a little bit of a bad reputation sometimes. Oh, it does. Um, but I loved my time there, and I think if you apply yourself, what you get out of there is really great, because that's how I got in Hunter College, was having that associate's degree, and they looked at it and said, yeah, come on over. And Hunter's right? a great school, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I was very pleased to yeah. get it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same with me. When I got in uh, UNC Wilmington, I, I probably wouldn't be able to get in there today, yeah. but who knows? Yeah, the Seahawks. I was looking yeah. this up a little bit yeah. before you showed <laughs> You got the Seahawks colors on, yeah. Thank you. I, mean, I love yeah. the shirt, by the way. Uh, so, what was that like down in Wilmington? I was, uh, was that a nice change to get somewhere else outside of the state or outside New York yeah, State? Yeah, you know, I'd never really been away, and yeah. uh, I think it's important for people to get away for a couple years at oh, that yeah. age, especially, to just kind of figure out who they are and... I mean, not to sound cliche, but it kind of turns you into an adult when you have to yeah. go someplace and do things on your own. Not that my parents didn't help me here and there with, with finances and stuff, but you know, you have to, when you have to do something in a place where you don't really know anyone, yeah. and you have to like you know work to get a degree and all that other stuff or whatever it may be you're working towards, it, mm. it turns you into an adult. Yeah, I think and a lot of people yeah. that I think never leave sometimes 
they don't get to see that the world's a little bit bigger. Yeah. You know, and yeah. um, I don't know, there's, without getting too far into that. No, what's know. true, because we've talked about it many times in the podcast, because I say, like, I spent that five years in Brooklyn post, uh, post when I got out of college here and finished up at Hunter and was waiting tables down there and doing my thing in New York. And you come back from that, and people are like, "Oh, did you did you did you screw up? Did you, are you back?" And I'm like, "No, it's just like you learn some stuff, and then you're back. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not. Yeah. Well, I didn't feel like a failure. I didn't yeah. want to wait tables and spend all my money on rent anymore. Like it did was you, just. Did you intend on staying or? Hmm. Just kind of see where it was. Mm, see that's where a good question. Uh, I think with New, this is my weird take on New York City. If you've ever lived there, if you go down there, I think if you go down there and plan to live there, and you give it time, mm-hmm. you still kind of know right away whether you're meant for the city. For like, you either yeah. fall in love with it, and you're like, I love it. I love the hustle and bustle. I love the nightlife. Yeah. I love the commute. I love the the just the life of the city. It has a really beautiful feel to it. Mm-hmm. And I do like it. But yeah. now at 33, as opposed to 26, 27, I. I, I care less about that sort of thing. I like I don't care to be like surrounded by eight hundred thousand people all the it's time. Great place right? to visit. Yeah, four days is about as much as yeah. I can do there yeah. before I start to get like I need my stuff. But I do think again it was important just to go see how the rest of something else looked like, like yeah. something different yeah. from what I was used to. I do think it did make me a more well-rounded, interesting yeah, absolutely. human being. Absolutely. Uh, I am tired of talking about Brooklyn because <laughs> that becomes like a discussion piece yeah. and everything. Yeah. Uh, did you Did you enjoy, though, like, a, did, was there ever any thought for you to stay down in that area when you were there? I enjoyed Wilmington. Uh, I probably would have stayed if there were, you know, some career opportunities down there for somebody with a political science degree, which is... Uh, yeah, that was the other question. A degree. It's like a psychology undergrad degree, right? You know, everyone get some and rarely do they use them can i ask the same question that i asked about the other one what was the plan at that point in time political science degree were you thinking like journalism were you thinking getting into politics something along those lines i don't think i was ever considering getting into politics or journalism um however i did get involved with both of those things (laughs) right Um, you know what actually i had no clue um it was it was it was a it was definitely an existential crisis. Like between the ages of eighteen and twenty two, and I think you see ages? kids at that age, like you know, friends and family, kids I know. That's like a rough age for people. They really they don't know what the hell to do with their lives. You know, it gets because harder. Just, it's so the options are so broad. It's hard to narrow it down. Um, I think this is such a weird uh, such a weird connection, but. Is this principle I, that I'm going to butcher right now? It's called Dunbar's number. Uh, it's yeah. Basically, this idea that we're not really supposed to live in groups of societies larger than like 150 people. You can't start remembering more than like 150 like people in your community and in your lifestyle. And once you start, and this draws out the idea that once you start comparing yourself, because of the internet now and the technology we have to not just your local community and the people around you, but the entire global community, mm-hmm. it becomes hard to feel like you're the best at something. If there's 150 yeah. people around that you know, somebody's the best carpenter, somebody's the best singer, somebody's the best whatever, right? But once you start comparing what you do to all the other people globally, it becomes really hard to find like worth in what you're doing. It becomes really depressing. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, like that's yeah, it's a weird. I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've gotten 21 minutes and we haven't talked about either of your businesses yet. Okay. <laughs> I want to take a swing over that sure. way. Sure. Uh, 
Let's talk about the Green Onion first. Okay. Uh, how long... Now, I didn't do my research on this as well. What, what year does that open now, in, in hindsight? How long have you guys been we in that location? We opened in 2009, and wow, 2009? Um, we're coming up on our 10 years. I was going to say, October wow. 22nd, yeah. Does not... It feels like 10 years because it feels like it's always been there now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always said, you know, I grew up in South Dakota. I grew up on, like, Ballantyne Bray. I live where I live now. Did I you go to Hughes? I did go to Hughes growing oh, up. Hughes yeah, Hawk. Hughes. Yeah, Hughes Hawks, that's right. Yeah. For a good period of time in my life, I was only a Hawk or a Raider my entire life. Uh-huh. Hughes Hawks, Donovan Raiders, Proctor Raiders, uh, MVCC Hawks, Hunter <laughs> Hawks. Like, it just, it never ended. Like, I was like, that's all I'm ever going to yeah, be. that's funny. Um, but I always thought, like, growing up, I was in the music scene, so there was Captain Trips, Rainforest mm-hmm. Preserve, which was kind of a bar, but mostly a music venue. Yeah. And then there was, like, the Auburn... But, like, I didn't really think about, like, South Utica bars in that way. Utica always seemed to sort of have, like, there was Varick Street, and there was, like, the dev out on the island over on yeah. one side. But, like, what was it, why did you decide that South Utica seemed like the right spot, like that location? What was it about it that seemed interesting? Um, we actually, well, just for a little background, basically, yeah. I, I was working off of K Street for a nonprofit. Mm. Um, I actually had a fancy title. I think it was transportation policy analyst um it's probably underqualified for that but i realized that job was kind of a dog and pony show so one day i called up uh you know three of my best friends and i said you know hey guys you know how we always talked about opening up a bar whenever we catch up at weddings or whatever else certainly spend enough time in local bars and there was never any place we really wanted to hang out when we came home during the holidays it's true so I said, you guys serious about doing this? Are you interested? Hmm. They said, they gave me their word, and uh, I gave my notice like a couple days later. Did you know, was there a risk involved for you at that time? Did you know it was a gamble? Was it a gamble? Oh, everyone said I was crazy. Yeah. You know, my parents were like, what? What are you doing? You know? Um, That's got to be a little motivating, though, in a certain way. Like, everyone's sure. like, are you, are you sure you want to do this? And oh, like, I yes. have friends say, you know, it'll be a miracle if you get that place open, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say I hold a grudge, but I still uh, occasionally bring stuff up like that with those people. <laughs> it's important to get. Hey, remember when you said that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so ten years down the road, does it feel? How does it feel? Does it feel like a success? Does it feel like it's still something you're always like inv- involved in? Like, is there it's, still like the management stuff on your end for it? It's been a smashing success yeah. in terms of uh, meeting a lot of great people. Kind of. Um, you know, giving me a foothold in the community mm-hmm. um, and meeting my girlfriend. Uh, very fortunate there. Uh, Nick met his wife, I think, there. Yeah. Um, and the great thing is, you know, like I said to my buddies when we were starting this, I was like, guys, you know, this is uh, only around 10 grand each or whatever we threw in is probably a little less, but um, our friendship's worth more than this. So whatever happens, mm-hmm. you know, it's only this much money and uh, <laughs> we're still friends 10 years later so that's that's pretty cool and well, that's, it supported us for that's the last really 10 years. successful on its own right the fact that you guys went into you invested in a business that uh, people always historically say is dangerous like food and beverage business hospitality business yeah. and you did it with your friends which is also something people don't say like yeah, never go yeah, in business with exactly. your friends like yep. <laughs> it's got to feel doubly doubly good yeah uh, you know it's hard to say. It's like a weird question to say, like, what are your future plans for an established place like that? But do you have, like, are you thinking about future stuff or are you just letting it ride and doing your thing and building um, a community that's there? We try and do an event uh, usually at least once a month, mm. highlighting a, uh, 
a brewery or something else. For instance, today we're doing uh, Founders out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. We've got some of their beers on that we're doing with um, cocktails, so it's like beer cocktails nice. today. Nice. Uh, and those should be on for, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks. Uh, we're going to have some cocktail options with a beer because Founders does some really unique beers. Oh, yeah. Where they, um, like today we have a, a raspberry, fresh raspberry, uh, a watermelon, sour, and then we've got the... Uh, uh, Masagave, which is a tequila barrel aged beer. I mean, it's something you just want to drink over ice, um, like a lime. I think with Founders, too, I'm one of those basic folks who the first Founders thing I ever remember was someone, I went to a bar somewhere and they're like, We have the Founders Dirty Bastard. I was like, That sounds cool. Yeah. Give me that. Yeah. Whatever that is, oh, yeah. it sounds good. Yeah. Uh, I just want to ask you because I've noticed it last few times I've been down there. We've had uh, Devin and Brianna Mahoney from Uptown uh, yeah. on the pod many times. Um, great folks. Absolutely. How's that sort of relationship been since they've sort of taken over there? Nice synergy, it seems like, yeah, between you guys and them. We're definitely stoked to have those guys take over. Tracy uh, Mills, the previous yeah. one, was awesome lady. Her and uh, her boyfriend, Bob, great people. Um, they tried really hard, uh, but it's a, it's a tough nut to crack right now because, again, Netflix is kind of killing the movie industry and um, there's yeah. not really any parking there and Utica is can be Utica can it's a great place obviously but you know the consumers can be a little fickle oh yeah um, especially when it comes to, like live music yeah um, but Devin and Bree have been great because they're obviously um, you know putting a lot of uh, new energy into the project and, and they know they, that they have to really Put a they need they need to invest a certain amount into it to get the main theater open again and once that happens, cool. uh, that neighborhood's gonna be booming again. Now that they've started the sort of improv stuff and stand up comedy and building this sort of little community, this insular community of like people who are invested in all the programs. Now it makes sense to me that would it's it'd be so hard to make that like let's make a movie theater in South Utica and play all the movies. It's just hard now. It's yeah. just, we don't live in that world anymore. But to utilize this really beautiful existing space for mm-hmm. like new and cool stuff. Now it seems like this was always the right idea. Like I don't know if that was always his plan, if there was ever really any plan to like make it a movie theater, quote unquote, but I think what they're doing is excellent. I love it. Well, yeah, I think they're idea. still going to have hopefully down the road, you know, once they get the main theater open, I yeah. think they're and maybe even before that cuz they're utilizing the main lobby. And I think they're going to have film festivals and stuff like that. I mean, I uh I can't. I don't. I didn't tell Devin and Brianna this. But they'll probably hear it at some point in time. I, we used to back in the day, I used to have a friend a long time ago, who had like who used to work there, and he had the keys. So we would go in there late at night and like put, set up the drums on the stage. Oh yeah. There. We used to have the free run of that place all yeah. the time. It's a crazy building. Oh <laughs> it's yeah. A lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, especially if you walk through that basement. Oh my god, that basement is. It's horrifying. pretty creepy. It's, it's very creepy. You could film a horror movie down there. Uh, so ten years, you're doing the Good Onion thing. When did the idea to sort of well, we can talk about the Hop and Goblet in the process of this. Yeah. But when did when did the how long Beer Hub has been open now? First off, I guess a good question. Beer Hub will be two years, I think, in November. So two years. So when did the idea for something along this line sort of come up for you to like this um, location in this place? Yeah. So the Beer Hub, um, we originally moved my beer store, which was across from the Green Onion in that plaza there. We we had the opportunity to move that up the street, basically. The whole gist of it is that we didn't know what was going to go on with the Uptown because the building right. was going into foreclosure. So yeah. my buddy Mike and I uh, purchased the old New Hartford Railroad Station. Which I love. I love that which location. Which, you know, they had uh, Allstate, I think, in there and the Harry Caboose. Um, yeah. So we bought that. We got a steal on that building. And the idea was we'll move the onion there if, if we have to. Yeah. 
And then once Devin and Bree took over and our lease ended up being okay, uh, my dad and I said, let's move the beer store in up there. Um, And then uh, the beer store was just kind of like really a learning process um, because if you're going to sell beer, you really have to do a lot of volume. And we were just kind of, we had a niche Right. That might work in some place like New York City where you're just selling like specialty craft right. beers and stuff. But if you're going to be a beer store around here, you have to do serious volume. So really it was, a, it was a learning experience. And I think that's how you have to look at a lot of stuff as a learning experience instead mm-hmm. of a negative. But, you know, it really uh, taught us about the, the market here. Yeah. And, you know, my dad and I were just considering closing it up. And I said, well, what if we turn it into this where you we have a little bar up front and you can have a tasting people can taste a beer before they buy it and take it home so we still do have some beer you can buy uh, on premise or to take away and a a pretty large uh, uh, curated draft lineup as well was there any sort of moment that you decided to make that transition to be like maybe we just start doing like food and bar as well on top of this was that like a natural evolution or was there a moment where you're like maybe we can make something happen here on this end um, well, again, you know, the, the original intent was to move the onion there, yeah. um, but we had the opportunity to do something else and, and, you know, I wanted to be in business with my dad too, cause he's retired. Sure. That's a really so, great point actually. Yeah. yeah I see a lot so, of folks are getting to like that point now. Yeah. So it was like, you know, let's, let's see if we can make this work. Give it one more shot. And, uh, the food okay. aspect of it, you, you really needed to do. Excellent. With a liquor really. license, you did a really nice job with it. Hey, thank I really, you. I really enjoy yeah. the stuff you guys have come up with. Like Thanks. Really nice level between like accessible, like bar, like style food, but like with a really nice twist that gives. Yeah. It, I love it. Excellent right. work, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you have to do the you have to do the food with new liquor licenses, and uh, yeah, it kind of gave us so something to, to play around. Really? Yeah. You, huh? You, technically, you do. Really? That's wild. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That seems like a whole other thing. Like, that was always one of the things I always talk about when we were in New York, sort of, like, living down there. Uh, our My buddy Adam Goldstein and I, shout out to Adam, who I talked about this podcast. Yeah, what's up, Adam? Uh, we used to joke around about, like, we wanted to open Politary Joe's in New York City. Like, yeah. let's just do this, and we'll just yeah. sell, like, long hots and meatballs and whatever, like, poverty-era Italian yeah. food. But then it always came around to be like, yeah, but the like the license to sell like beer and wine and like it's so it seems like such a hassle. I can't imagine like what that process must be like dealing with all the regulations and stuff. Um, New York State's been pretty good the last uh, well, I mean, really since we've been in business, um, they've been okay. I mean, the liquor authority is that's quite different too. Can be um, a little bit cumbersome in terms of the time uh, it takes to get a license sometimes, yeah. but it, this last time around was very fast. Um, of course, I'm not a big fan of uh, the way they come around and do stings and stuff like that. Right. Um, I think that's pretty unfair towards small businesses, the yeah. way they, they kind of shake them down. Um, because, you know, it's... It's part of the gig, it, I feel like, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, without getting into that kind of thing, it's... Ooh. it's um, we used to laugh about it at Carmine's, so. though. That's not the same thing with the F, not the, the food inspectors, right? Like the health inspectors, right? Yeah. Um, that's its own sort of racket, right? Like, they'll kill you that first health inspection and give you a B because they want to come back for the second inspection because they make... I mean, it's like, it's really hard to get a good, like, top-level A health inspection. Yeah, it In depends. York, yeah, it yeah. depends who you get. I mean... It does. It depends. Sometimes, yeah. uh, from what I've heard, some of the younger... Um, 
I don't know what do you call them investigators. Or yeah, I they don't are. know what the term would be. Sometimes they, you know, I think are trying to make a name for themselves and like really can be harsh on places. But you definitely need, you definitely need the health department to. Uh, <laughs> oh, for keep sure. Some of these I places mean, in line. For sure. The liquor authority, though, they're, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's almost a, uh, it's almost entrapment the way they come in and yeah. uh, bust some of these businesses. I mean, certainly, it's tough. The business owner has to take some responsibility for how much people are drinking and whether or not they're of age but the way they do some of these things is really uh yeah uh, it's it's pretty it's not something you really want it it doesn't build a lot of trust with the people you're working with probably right people you want to do i mean like you're working in line with these sort of people right you're in the same you're on the same side theoretically right like it's, it's kind of it feels like a shakedown yeah you know, for small businesses. Yeah, I mean, that's know, how it They're felt barely like, yeah. making enough to pay their sales tax. And then, you know, they come in and yeah. they'll send in some kid that looks like you, but he's like, you know, going to be 21 in two days. And next thing you know, you're, yeah. you know, having to pay a three or $4,000 fine because you sold him yeah. a can of Guinness. Yeah, those are the kind of, uh, those are the kind of, like, hassles that I feel like I would not have, I didn't think about initially in the ideas, like, you should open a restaurant, right? Yeah. You should open a bar. Uh, I want to ask you this because I got a little bit farther away from it than I planned to, but I never asked you at any point in time when you're at, you seem to be really knowledgeable about beer stuff in general. When did your sort of relationship with like being interested in like beers sort of begin? Was that like in college, like uh, as you got older, like when did you sort of get interested in like the the nuance of beer culture? Yeah, so uh, beer wise, um, I guess freshman year in college, yeah. you know, being away from home and uh, still being able to get some Saranax and growing up in this town yeah. that is such a uh, proud tradition. Were you ever a cheap beer uh, drinker? Were you ever drinking like Jenny Screamers or anything like that back in the day? In, col- ice. in college, um, <laughs> you know, you, you didn't have a choice a lot of these kind of parties. <laughs> yeah, you go to like, yeah. But, you know, if I had the money, I would usually stock my dorm fridge with some uh, Saranac Black Forest. So even early on, you Sam knew. Sam Adams, whatever else I could find. So even early on, you knew like the difference between like this is a garbage beer and this is like an actual like drinking like if this is an enjoyment for me, like you you knew the nuance early on. Well, the you know you go to some of these parties and you know Milwaukee's best or uh, <laughs> the Beasters, you know, <laughs> a lot of those ice beers. I mean, you just oh, yeah. they got you pretty sick. Yeah, right? well, Whereas, yeah. you know you could sip on just a couple Black Forests and usually you were okay. But in terms of uh, cheap beer, I used to drink a lot of Old Mill Long Necks in high school, which oh, I still no. think is a decent beer. I used to like uh, the Miller High Life. You're yeah. talking about the, the champagne. Oh, yeah. I still beers. drink High Life. Yeah, 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 yeah that's all right. I had a period of time where I was drinking a lot of Rolling Rock. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know if something happened with Rolling Rock. Did they like change breweries or something? But I feel like yes. Rolling Rock doesn't taste the same anymore okay. when, I, when I drink it. I don't know. That's just my my weird personal yeah. opinion. Uh, I just, I, my, I guess my, I, I always go back to my. Molson Golden. That was a good one. Molson Golden. When I was in Canada once when we were playing a show up there uh, in the Bay, and you could get. Molson Dry, which you couldn't get in America at the time. Yeah. You could also get, uh, now you can get them here, but you used to be able to get Molson, was it Double X? Triple yeah, X? Molson so. Triple X? Yep. That, was, that was like stupid, like you're young and I just want to get really drunk. Molson Canadian, that's a nice beer on a hot day. Molson Canadian, one of the first beers I ever tasted as a person who may or may not have been of age to yeah. drink alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is Molson Canadian, this yeah. is alright. Uh, let me ask you just from your from your opinion, I always go back to my my one of my recent restaurant bosses, Tim Hardiman and Taylor and the Cook, who used to say like his wine courses, like learning about wine there was like learning like a college course. Like you had to learn so much sort of stuff. 
is 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 craft beer sort of getting that way? There's so much stuff you want, all these new things that are coming out. Like, do you have to stay on the ball to see new stuff that's coming out? Are you always looking for new beers and new stuff? Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to stay on top of the trends, yeah. um, especially if you're gonna, you know, continue to be one of the uh, local leaders in terms of beer culture and beer right. bars. You sure, know, sure. You've, you've got to make sure your business is kind of. And, it, and, and things are getting more and more competitive because every bar thinks they're a craft beer bar now. That's a great point, too. So you, you really have to, uh, you know, have knowledgeable servers. And um, uh, obviously, Tim is a great local talent in the oh, culinary yeah. scene. And I wouldn't say the expertise is even really in the, in the same... Well, no, I just mean uh, like that. Like what he what he needs to know to put the these dishes together is much <laughs> oh, right, sure. much more complicated than what, what we're dealing with a beer. But there always... is there is a fair amount to know if you're gonna. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna, you know, consider if you're gonna be considered, you know, I don't, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but you know, someone who's fairly knowledgeable. Well, I just mean that even from when I was growing up, like from that sort of young, like early twenties, like late teens, drinking ages, like you know, what I mean. Uh, there wasn't the same kind of beer. I didn't know what a goze was. I didn't know yeah. like what a lot of the stuff that's out there now. It was like you have your like light beers and your. I mean, like uh, I think you see a lot more stuff. Like even you're drinking that sour beer right now. Like have you seen like an uptick in that and like sort of popularity with you guys? Like those sort of sour beers, those goze beers. I feel like that's really popular right now. Yeah. So the kettle sours are a lot cheaper to produce. You can produce them faster. Yeah. So a lot of breweries are doing that, and you know they're, they're basically. Um, usually riffs on like german style sours which mm-hmm. went almost extinct really until uh again you know the american craft beer culture kind of has either resurrected or been responsible for keeping yeah. some of these niche european styles going you know like some of the belgian sours like the uh the lambics i mean without the american demand i mean who knows if they'd even still be kicking uh, are you on the side of there's too many IPAs or always should ever produces IPAs? It seems to be the two takes I get. <laughs> well, <from> most... <laughs> there, there you go with the most controversial <laughs> yeah. question of the day in terms of the uh, beer world. Um, I'm a little tired of a lot of these, uh, they call them hazy IPAs, but mm-hmm. really, and so, well, most, most of them taste great that I've had, but even from some of these established breweries, they just look... There's no visual aesthetic anymore, or maybe the visual aesthetic has just been flipped on its head. So people actually, uh, and I think that is true. People actually want their beers to look like hazier, pulpy orange juice, like a mead. I like haze. <laughs> yeah. I like a hazy idea, yeah. like Hetty Topper. But some of these uh, mucky New England style beers, they just look atrocious. Uh, give me like a Hoppy Hour Hero, a fresh Hoppy Hour Hero, yeah. or Bell's Two Hearted. You know, still like a West Coast style with some malt backbone. Those beers are awesome. Uh, it's funny too. I just uh, I don't know if you're a podcast guy. And I just really, I just my listen, girlfriend is. I just listened to this great podcast. I started listening to called Spectacular Failures, and it's like okay. these little half hour episodes about like these businesses or ideas that would start and were successful and then fell apart for whatever reason. Uh-huh. The first one was like, uh, what's his name? Um, Joe Don, uh, the the he's a TV evangelist. I can't remember his name. Baker, Tammy Joe, Baker's husband. Oh, okay. Uh, he started like a. Like a theme park about like a like a Christian theme park. Yeah, Jim was, Baker, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Heritage USA, and then one of them was about Movie Pass. But then the most recent one I listened to was about Schlitz beer, mm. and it's really fascinating how like Schlitz was one of the major like beer producers and, and talked about like the difference between 
producing lagers as opposed to IPAs because if you screw up making a lager, everyone can tell. Yeah. But with an IPA, if you make mistakes, you can just sort of hop blast it until the mistakes aren't as noticeable. Yeah, yeah. And like now you don't really see that many lagers, or as often, I feel like. Lagers are definitely going to be on the... Well, you asked about sours earlier, yeah. and you know I think we're, we're seeing sours go much more mainstream. A mm-hmm. lot of, especially with um, some of these session sours that kind of have a sweet and sour kind of character yeah, yeah. Uh, but as far as lagers they're that's going to be probably the next big thing it already is becoming like a big thing because this lager is people, very good yeah so. people can't drink <laughs> yeah. double ipas all day long you know without yeah. getting a little out of hand you know i'm like that with i like she likes stouts and porters i'm always arguing that like how come there's not enough like there's never any stouts or porters on the market not yeah. enough uh but again that's another one you can't be out here on a August day drinking five porters and you're like okay. Have you had Randy Vatulo's porter? No, he was my chemistry teacher. <laughs> I figured you'd know him. <laughs> he know. has a he no. has he's brewing for those guys up on Hill and Holland Patton at Sixteen Stone. And yeah, he's a great dude. He has a porter called Basement Pig Porter. Mm. Terrible name, but <laughs> awesome beer. It's one of the best porters I've ever had. It's worth going up for. I'm into that. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I feel like I, you don't. See, like, I would go to a bar and there always needs to be one of the other. You get yeah. a stout. Yeah. Or a porter with like a bunch of other stuff. And I'm yeah. like, all right, well. Uh, Colin, I've, I've dragged you out here much longer than I had planned oh, to. Saturday. It's all good. <laughs> so why don't we do some lightning round questions, and then sure. I'll, uh, I'll let you enjoy the rest of your Saturday. For folks who uh, obviously want to know more, go to thegreenonionpub.com, or you can go to Green Onion or the Beer Hub on Facebook. You guys are on Instagram. No Twitter, eh? Uh, not yet. Yeah. I just I actually just it's... got rid of my smartphone. So, oh, uh, good, man. Good for you, man. I, uh, People so think um like weird, crazy, and like whatever else. But uh, I just, I, it's too distracting. That's my, that's my actual like wild hot take prediction is that we are on the cusp of the anti cell phone movement. You're gonna start seeing people be like, too much technology. I'm going, I'm, I'm going back to landlines. Like, yeah. it, not everybody. Yeah. You're gonna see some backlash. I against, like technology. Yeah. I mean, not everyone likes it. It's I have my luddite like, yeah. tendencies, but yeah. I. I uh, it's the group threads, the group message threads that you know you. And then I realized, like, geez, I've read like maybe two bu- two books in the last like year or so. A lot of these, you things, know, it's a distraction. It seems like a lot of the most rational people on these platforms have left, right? Yeah. So what you're left with on Facebook is like your craziest relatives or like your closest yeah. friends, and that's it, right? Yeah. There's that middle ground of people you sort of know is kind of gone. Yeah, well, and, it's, it's great for business. It really oh, is. Oh, dude, for Twitter. You know? Twitter and Facebook, for me, have been really big in terms of promoting the podcast. If yeah. it wasn't for the podcast, yeah. I don't know how much I would be on Twitter or Facebook. Uh-huh. And that's why even my Instagram game is not very good, because I'm like, the yeah. third social media platform? I don't know. That's a lot yeah, for me. Yeah. <laughs> I still do use that stuff like on the computer. Yeah. Uh, or I do have a smartphone I've been using as a tablet. I just mm. don't like all the constant messaging. I've actually gone back to using this little Chromebook laptop because yeah. it has a keyboard on it. Yeah. I'm still, I still, at the end of the day, I still want to type on a keypad, yeah. not on a screen somewhere. Yeah, I can't stand yeah. touch screens. <laughs> uh, so, Colin Hubble, we have our lightning round questions. Uh, these okay. are the same five or six questions we ask everybody who's been on the podcast for as long as I can remember. So, we'll start here. Colin, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? I actually stopped drinking coffee. I usually drink uh, green tea. Green tea. So yeah. was there a moment? Did you like convert over? You're like, no more coffee for me. It's making me give me heartburn, stomach ulcers. <laughs> it, was like, giving, yeah. it was giving me like heart palpitations. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I really enjoyed coffee and a piece of toast. Oh, yeah. I, I Caffeine, I think, was just jacking me up. 
I drink too much coffee, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Justin from Made in Utica, my close friend, he, he, like, I would say 70% of his diet is coffee. Like, he, I don't know how his stomach doesn't just explode into an ulcer. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm worried about him sometimes. Yeah, well, he's a busy guy. Uh, tea, I tried to do the tea thing. I tried to convert over green tea to like uh-huh. black tea. I would make like iced tea and just leave it in the fridge. I'd like peak tea packets. I don't, it didn't satisfy me the same way that a hot cup of coffee, even iced coffee, something about a hot cup of coffee with a little bit of cream and sugar gets me every time. I yeah. still like it, even if it's 86 degrees like it is right now. Yeah, it's got a nice flavor. Uh, Kyle, what was your first automobile? Um, I, this is That's a good question. I think it was a um, Ford Aerostar minivan with tinted windows and a stick shift. Oh, the stick shift. So yeah. you drive... Yeah. <laughs> no one knows how to drive yeah. stick shift. Anymore. It was a minivan with stick shift, and it was great because... On the way back from Lori's Pizza uh, in high school, we would occasionally buy like a a forty at the uh, gas station next door, and we would we would pass that around with in the van before we'd go back in a six period. And it was usually uh, I think it was Crazy Horse, which <laughs> Crazy was, was horse. always fun. Yeah, <laughs> but we had tinted windows, so yeah, it was, yeah. you could be right in the parking lot and. Uh, <laughs> Still have some fun, so. Uh, well, you may or may not have taken. Hopefully, your, your students aren't listening. That's it. That'll be fine. <laughs> uh, first, uh, you may or may not have taken your Ford Aerostar to see it. What was your first live music event? Another good question. Uh, first concert I think was Beatlemania at the Stanley. Nice. Beatlemania, I remember that. I think so. <laughs> yeah. But my first like show, like where you know, I was off the leash, was. Probably like Horde Tour '94, mm. which was uh, my sister, older sister, took me there. Um, so it was those older sisters. Yeah, you? well, that's how I got into good music. <laughs> exactly. And uh, you know, it was like crazy lineup. You know, I think yeah. it was Matthew, Ziggy, Marley, Blues Traveler, Allman Brothers. Oh, we're doing that. Great. I think we're doing the Blues Traveler concert. We're doing Tuesday? the beer. We're, we're, I think we're pouring for that, actually. Yeah, hopefully yeah. I can yeah. make it Should over be... there. I saw a friend last was... night. <laughs> we're, la- we're laughing about it. I was, I was talking about Blues Traveler. I was like, what's the... What? There's like two Blues Traveler songs. I'm like, there's Hook and there's... Run Around. Run Around. Yeah. But the minute we, I said Hook, immediately everyone starts singing the chorus to Hook. Like It's one of those things. Like Everyone just knows the chorus. I'm like, yeah, that one. That's a yeah. good one. And John Popper's amazing. supposedly a really good guy, too. Appar- I mean, he's... He's like the Ravi Shankar of the harmonica. Like, there's yeah, no question. Yeah. He's like the best harmonica player in the world. There's no question. And then everyone else is like number two to this guy. Yeah, I used to see those guys a lot in college. Yeah. And he came to the area back in the 90s when they were at like the peak of their fame or whatever. And he came to some guys, I don't know who it was, but some guy was dying of cancer and he was a huge Blues Traveler hmm. fan. And literally, John Popper, somebody wrote him a letter. He, he showed up at his party and played huh. for free for like an hour. Damn. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, your answer could still be John Popper if you'd like, but uh, if you you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who is not your relative, oh, who would it be and why? No, I know you prepped me on this one, um, <laughs> but jeez, that that's just it's a tough one. It throws everybody. That is a tough one. Um, just off the top of my head, um, you know, let's go with Jimi Hendrix. Hendrix. Did you listen to you Hendrix guy growing up? Just in the albums yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Hendrix. Uh, it was kind of late come around on Hendrix, actually. I didn't listen to it in my formative, like, guitar playing years until I got older and started yeah. to appreciate it. Yeah, I think he'd be cool to talk to. I mean, I, actually, my birthday brother is uh, Mozart. Oh, Amadeus. That'd, that'd be pretty cool, too. 
Uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. I'm trying to get through the biography of Ben Franklin. Oh, nice. Which is Those old-time writers dense. are tough. They're super Well, no, dense. it's a newer writer. I think oh, it's H.W. Oh, okay. Brands or something like that. Yeah. But I, I have horrible book guilt uh, yeah. where I just have a hard time putting anything down, even if it's not going fast. But the book's so dense. I mean, it tells you about... You know what his neighbor had for lunch. Ben Franco's neighbor had for lunch. You know, so it's very detailed. <laughs> I get uh, frustrated with like, like seven hundred pages. Yeah, I get frustrated with stuff like that. Like I, I remember trying to read. I always think I go back to Dracula, like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, I never tried that. And it was something that someone I found it on like the free library. It was like just the collective writings of Abe Lincoln. Oh. Right, and I tried to read all of them, and it's just like God. This is the densest. It's it's so dry. Yeah. I tried to read like Lovecraft stuff before I found out some other stuff about him, but like his stuff is hard to read too because it's all like made the up sci-fi work. guy. Yeah, yeah. Lovecraft. He yeah. If you go read like a Lovecraft book, like go read like The Mountains of Madness, and you'll read like one paragraph. You'll be like, "What the hell did I just read? Like nothing. I read nothing. All he said in two paragraphs was the moon was out and it was dark at night. That's yeah, it. He yeah. just used nine thousand words to get there. Yeah." Uh, and, they, were, they were verbose back then. Oh my god, it's brutal. I, I, I get it. I understand why he's so influential, but like, come on, man, this is tough. Uh, and, bes- <laughs> and I'll, I'll leave you one last question. Uh, besides, obviously, uh, beer, uh, politics, family, community, give me one more thing that you, Colin Hubble, are passionate about. I love music. Nice. Um, probably going to go up to Motown. You play uh, it all? I get her. I play a little guitar. A little guitar? I can play a little piano, but I've, I've been messing around with guitar for a long time. I've been sort of a jack-of-all-trades with music for my whole lifetime. Like, I, I sang, obviously, and played guitar with the band that me and Kevin were in. We've talked about that ad nauseum on this show. But when I uh, when I went to Brooklyn and we stopped playing in the band, which, you know, I mean, for me was tough because this was my identity. My identity had totally been based around being the singer of this sort of proto-mid-level emo punk band, right? Like, my whole life was based around, like, being that guy. Huh. So, like, when I started to like, go down to New York and finish my college stuff and, like, working in the restaurant and doing the Brooklyn thing, I was like, I still want to play, but I don't want to... I don't want to do anything that I did before. And I think that, like, going out and learning, like, I tried to learn how to play bass, learn how to play synthesizers, I learned how to play drums. That was, like, a big one, like, trying to go away from the front of the stage mm-hmm. and move to the back of the stage. Yeah. And I think music... You know, now the podcast sort of takes up that space in my life, but I think there's a certain level of person who has that itch for creativity where you're hunting for something to put your creativity into, whether it's a podcast, whether it's music, whether it's a business, whether it's writing, whether it's whatever it is, like you have this need to get whatever's inside of you out into the world and and create something with it yeah. i think that's that's been like the one great joy about being a musician over my lifetime yeah. Yeah. i never got to that level i'm strictly an amateur it's good though like, you still jamming basements yeah but that's the best part though because yeah. you still love it right yeah, once you do fun. that that's the other mistake and i don't mean to go on a rant here but once you commit to that as your life Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do this for a living. It no longer becomes this thing you love to do for yeah. fun. It becomes this sort of like noose around your neck. It's like it's weighing, it's pulling me. Like I have to do this thing that I love now, yeah. and it's making me resent the thing that I love. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So even, uh, even beer can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you make it a business. Exactly. Uh, Colin, I want to thank you so much for yeah, joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, it was a great pleasure. I appreciate you coming in. 
Uh, enjoy the rest of your beautiful yeah, Saturday man. afternoon, right. and uh, and we'll, we'll have you on again sometime. This is great. Cool. Thanks again, Sam. Appreciate and, it. Anytime, uh, folks. We'll be back to the show in just a moment. Joining us, it was great uh, having him here. We actually another one of those interviews to talk about all the time. He stayed around for another like half an hour after we talked. He was in the middle of like a founders uh, brewery like tasting event, and he's like just hanging out, having a good time. He brought me some founders beers we drank. Oh, Shout out go. to founders. Uh, they also liked my tweet on Twitter about that. So thanks, thanks founders. Send us free beer. Mm-hmm. I love. It. I'll support your beer if you send it to us. I'm a hundred percent for sale. That's all I'm saying. Hundred percent for sale. <laughs> still drinking UC though. Yeah, still drinking Not the UCs. Too. It's a good. T- this is a good. This is good UC weather. That heat. You don't want something too heavy. Weigh you down a little bit. You know, I've really seen. I'll tell you what. I've seen the heat in the last week or two. The white claws are really sweet. Oh, Yo, I mean, away. we could do a whole episode just about white claws because I've never had one, but it's insane how ubiquitous they've become at like parties. Even or... like, I feel like the biggest like beer drinkers I know. You know what I mean? The people I know who really like put down the most like yeah. UC's in kind of like oh, man, I'm doing white claws. I've had a bunch of them. Yeah. They're really good. Hmm. Uh, I will have to try one. I know I feel it's like that's blasphemy. It tastes I exactly like whatever polar you pull out of the fridge. Does it taste like vodka? No. That's my only thing whenever a mixed no. drink. I'm always afraid it's going to taste like just vodka and seltzer. I'm like, I don't want that. Yeah. I mean, no, it all depends on how much you like whatever the specific flavor is for the most part. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Maybe I'll drink when... I'll White Claw sent us money. You know, years ago when I was doing the Family on the Wookiee podcast, when... Do you remember when Four Loco got banned? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Four Loco was... Yes and uh, no. I say, yeah, yes and no. Uh... Four Loco, when it came out, like it wasn't like a popular thing originally. People drank it, but it was kind of gross. It wasn't until they were like, "We're banning it," that all of a sudden in Brooklyn there was like this huge run on Four Loco, like trying to get the old ones before they like revamped the formula. So we did a whole podcast where Kevin, where Dano and myself and my good friend Adam drank a Four Loco each over the course of the podcast, and it was gross it was disgusting it was was so gross uh and that's the fair i get with anything that's not like just beer or like spirits right like anything that's not in the the core group of just like general basic beer and spirits always be looking for your abvs yeah abvs baby let's get this week's history lessons while we're get it out of the way oh no um we were having so much fun we were we were uh get this one you know what i think you're gonna like my one of my great joys now is finding <coughs> the history lesson for the beginning, the oldest one that I think will give you guys the biggest eye roll. Now I've gotten them. I've really, I've really enjoyed this. Here we go. On this day, nineteen top level program. <laughs> On this day, <laughs> I find the worst. <laughs> <laughs> On this day, nineteen oh five, the soldiers of the Russian battleship Potemkin who mutinied <laughs> surrendered to Romanian authorities who turned yeah, over their ship. <laughs> To Russian authorities soon after. No, I swear to God, this is true. Uh, the Russian battleship Potemkin was a pre-dreadnought battleship built for the Imperial Russian Navy's Black Sea Fleet. Uh, she became Good famous. Name. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? She became famous when the crew rebelled against the officers in June of 1905, uh, which is now viewed as the first step toward the Russian Revolution of 1917. Most people know about this uh, because of the silent film from 1925 by 
Sergei uh, Eisenstein, the battleship Potemkin, which is mm. the only reason that most people ever hear about this story. I feel right? like they make a Looney Tunes joke about that sometime with the Potemkin. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know that yeah. word. It's, uh, I, I watched them, again, I took late Imperial Russian history in college. There's a fun course for you. And Man. We, we, yeah, it was a cool course, but much like any history course that I took that isn't American history, I have a hard time remembering the names of people. Like, mm-hmm. because all the, the Russian, like, names all sort of, like, ran together to me for a Especially while. Especially when you're reading about, like, a, if it's a different, like, yeah. part of society where the names are so different from your base language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, it was, it's like you forget a lot of them easier when you're not. I've had that happen sometimes reading about, like, African history and different things in Africa where a lot of the names, like, the language is so weird that, like, you don't really remember, like, wait, is this this or this? Like, I, don't even, I don't know if I said it right when I was reading it the first time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So... Uh, yeah, anyhow, uh, filmed shortly after the Bolshevik victory in the Russian Civil War in se- uh, uh, of 1917-1922, uh, Eisenstein recast the mutiny, uh, mutiny into a predecessor of the October Revolution that swept the Bolsheviks into power. Uh, was interesting about this movie uh, was, in accordance to Marxist doctrine, uh, that history is made by collective actions and not individuals. Uh, Eisenstein was forbid to single out any particular person in the film and rather had to focus on the mass protagonist. So the movie didn't have, like, a lead or, like, like smaller leads. Like, mm-hmm. the whole cast is the lead. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's a... It's a very strange movie. It's, anybody, it's, anybody get any ideas? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a cool idea, actually. But, uh... Last Survivor of the Mutiny, Ivan Beshoff died on October uh, 1987 at the age of 102. So there you go. Jeez. Uh, I usually don't. I usually don't have follow-ups on a lot of these. It's a great movie. How do you have a follow-up on this? Let me ask you this question because okay. I do have one follow-up. Um, my my very close friend Adam, who I just was talking about, his uh, his wife is Russian, and he's gone to Saint Petersburg a couple times. Mm-hmm. He said he says Russia's dope. I know mm-hmm. that Russia is the enemy and all the communism and all the weird U.S. Russia connections. Sure. Would you be interested in going to Russia yes. as a big yes? Interested yes. to go? I'd be very I'd be interested I'm, in going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good. There's not a single place that I can think of where I wouldn't be interested. Like there's places where I know I couldn't go because it'd be terrifying. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I'm not going to Afghanistan or Korea. Sure, yeah, yeah. or something. Or yeah, something the DMZ, like North yeah, Korea, sure. but. If I was somehow presented with an opportunity to properly and safely do it, I would go anywhere gladly. Well, I mean, St. Petersburg is a city. In the no, St. Like, Petersburg, yeah, a, yeah, you can just go yeah, there. But I'm just saying, a city. You know but I'm mean, saying, like, like, there is no barrier. There's so yeah. much great stuff in Russia, and there's so much great history out there, and it's interesting because it really is. It's cast such a huge shadow in yeah. like the you know the scene of world history over the last hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, I'm not going to tell people to go out here and watch the movie The Battleship Potemkin from 1925. You don't have to do that. Do not. But it is worth going to at least watch one scene from the movie that's very famous called... Conveniently uh, found on YouTube, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's yeah, on YouTube. You it's either called the Potemkin uh, Stairs or the Odessa Steps, depending on which kind of video you're watching. But that's like the scene from this movie that they show in film schools <coughs> and stuff. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, that's the, the part to go look at. Uh, move on, 1948, Satchel Paige, at the age of 42, mm. debuts in Major League Baseball, pitching two scoreless innings for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Leroy Satchel Page was an American baseball player, major, uh, a major league baseball player who was notable for his longevity in the game and for attracting record crowds wherever he pitched. Satchel Page was a right-handed pitcher, and at the age of 42, uh, in 1948, was the oldest major league rookie who played for the Cleveland Indians. He played for the St. Louis Browns until 19... 19- 42 is crazy. 42 is so old. Like, how many baseball players now are 42 If you're currently? playing 42, you're like an elderly, like, yeah. senior citizen in baseball. Yeah. There's not started. any players now that are that old, I think. No. There, you might be able to find like one weird guy in a roster that you forgot about. Where like, oh, that guy still plays, but no, not really. Like nobody of note or merit. Yeah. 
So he made the All-Star team in 1953 in his final year at the age of 47. That's crazy. That's awesome. Good for him, though. Uh, yeah. He's awesome. Satchel Page. Well, I'm gonna, there's a few other things I'll read about him, but like I, I have a, a end point. Satchel Page, one of the more interesting figures in sports that I think people don't really yeah. talk about all that often. Jackie Robinson gets all the hype, and yeah. deservedly so, but Satchel Page is a really interesting case when it comes to baseball history. Yeah, he was the first player who played in the Negro Leagues to pitch in the World Series, and he was the first electee of the Committee of the Negro League Baseball to be inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 1971. Um, let's see here. So this is just a quote that I found from 2010 from a sports writer named Joe Posnanski, who wrote for, who wrote for Sports Illustrated, who named Page as the hardest thrower in the history of baseball. And he based this on a lot of reports that he had read at the time, right? Uh, basically, like, Joe DiMaggio said he was the best pitcher he ever pitched against. And, like, Bob Feller and all these amazing people. Mm. For most of his career, Satchel Page threw nothing but fastballs. He had different names for each one, like the Bat Dodger and the Midnight Rider. I need more of that. Yeah, Midnight. People wonder why nobody's watching baseball. <laughs> yeah. Give me more of the Bat Dodger. Yeah, the Midnight Creeper. Uh, but essentially, they were all fastballs. He was still unhittable for the better part of 15 years. One pitch. It's a lot like Mariano Rivera, except for that he was doing it more than one inning at a time. He was pitching complete games day after day. He was perhaps the most precise pitcher in baseball history. He also threw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of innings. Um... My question here is: Is this if this isn't already? Is this your next great like Netflix eight episode series? Because I'm ready for oh, it. Oh yeah, I'm ready oh, for that. I would watch it. Yeah, I'm Very ready. For, <laughs> I'm ready for the story. I always like old baseball like movies and series too. So yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. I'm for I'm the Satchel Page story. Give it, give it to me. Um, Netflix, call us. When I was in D.C. a couple weeks ago, we went to the African American History Museum, and they have this whole big giant section of just about you know. Uh, African-American culture and boxing and sports and baseball and football and basketball. And they have this whole big thing about Satchel Page. And really, it's crazy, like, how, how much he impacted Major League Baseball, like, full stop. Pretty pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, moving on. 1956, Dick Clark, his first appearance as the host of American Bandstand. For those of you who don't remember, American Bandstand was a music performance and dance television program that aired in various versions from 1952 to 1989. Uh, Dick Clark was the host for every season from 1956 upward. Uh, featured teenagers dancing to top 40 music introduced by Clark. Uh, and, art, and at least one musical act would usually appear to either lip sync or perform one of their latest songs. The man who holds the record for most appearances at 110 is Freddie Boom Boom Cannon. Sure. No. I, don't, I couldn't I don't tell. No. Not a thing oh, about Freddie Boom Cannon. Boom. Uh, the, show's pop- <laughs> the show's popularity... Helped Dick Clark become an American media mogul and inspired similar long-running programs such as Soul Train and Top of the Pops. I love Soul Train, by the way. That's another one of my good YouTube videos. Just oh, go yeah. watch the Soul Train dance clips. I remember like, that. Oh, and they man. had the train dancing in the band. Soul they used to play like Nick at Night for a while or something. Mm-hmm. Like that, I I Is there a show like this now? There's not shows like this now, right, where we just get musical acts to hang out and people dance not around. Not in America. No. Not in America, right? Yeah. Graham Norton? Or what's his name? It's not Graham Norton. It's the other guy. Jules Holland. Jules Holland. That's what I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like Even that, though, it's like not as much YouTube. as the dancing. It was like the YouTube of that era. Like, where you one time you could see famous people and... Well, yeah, now, I see what you mean. Yeah. Now you I see... You now if you want to watch, like, performing... Instagram it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, yeah, you TikTok over. it, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, now it's like the performances you see on TV are, like, reality shows. It's like World of Dance, or you think you can, you know, you yeah. think whatever it is, The Voice, right? But you don't get, like, a show that's like, tonight on The Heather Hour. That's right. You know what I mean? Like... Britney Spears is here. I don't, I'm trying to think. Yeah. I don't know I why think that's the first. a couple people have tried to like reboot that style of thing, but nobody cares because nobody's like, oh, 
it's eight o'clock on Sunday. Gotta go. Gotta put on the bandstand. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's it's eight o'clock on Sunday. I'm gonna do one of a million things that I have. To and you do. can see all those people anywhere, anytime now. Yeah. Uh, show gave many new artists their first exposure to national audiences, including Iggy Pop, Ike and Tina Turner, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, Stevie Wonder, Prince, Talking Heads, Simon and Garfunkel, and the legendary Madonna, of course. Mm. Um, Clark was born and raised in Mount Vernon, New York. I'm sure you guys have heard the Utica connections and all that with Dick Clark mm-hmm. yeah, and all yeah. that. Uh, he also went Milka to... Milka for all it's worth. Yeah, Milka for all it's worth. He also went to Syracuse University in Syracuse, uh, graduating in 1951 with a degree in advertising and a minor in radio. He was a member of the Delta Kappa Epsilon fraternity. Delta Kappa! I don't know. Is that, is that what people... I don't know. Uh, I don't have much more on that, but I do have a list of famous SU alumni if you'd like me to rip through a couple of these classic sure. SU. You guys ready? How about Stephen Crane, the author of the classic The Red Badge of Courage? Oh, yeah, I'm a craniac. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that a real thing? No, I'm not sure. He wrote The Red oh. Badge of Courage. That's oh, great. It. My That's, favorite book. Yeah. <laughs> Love that book. Uh, how about uh, George Saunders, who wrote the book Lincoln and the Bardo? It oh. came out last year. Pretty good? No? Great. Nobody? All right. Uh, how about Bob Costas? That's the one everyone knows. Bob, Bob Costas, Costas, TV Pink Eye. Yeah, That's all you got. Yeah, Pink Eye, TV legend. How about Megyn Kelly, NBC Ooh. and Fox Ooh. News oh, personality? Great. How about Ted Koppel, 1960? Dead, right? Is he a news anchor? Dead couple? Ted Koppel? Ted Koppel passed away. He might be dead couple. Was I he think a news so. anchor? He was. ABC News, Nightline, Discovery Channel, Contributing Colleges, New, uh, columnist of the New York Times, Mike Tirico, 19, uh, 1988, sportscaster, oh. NBC. See him on Monday Night Football now. Uh, Dave Bing, former uh, mayor of Detroit, former NBA player, former basketball Hall of Famer, Utica man, Dave Bing. Mm. So there you go. Uh, Aaron Sorkin, creator of many such television hits like The Newsroom, Social Network, oh, Moneyball, okay. Syracuse University. <laughs> Serenity Now, Jerry Stiller in the class of 1950, George's right. father from Seinfeld. Frank Langella from 1959. Uh, Vera Farmiga, who a lot of you folks know from no. The Departed, up in the air. When? 1995. Mm. Same year as my sister Kelly, who's very angry about that fact. She's I bet. Uh, she's very I bet. displeased. And of course, the most prescient one, class of 68, former vice president and current vice, uh, presidential nominee, Joe Biden. Oh, I didn't know that. Syracuse University. Uh, all right. Let's go on to these next. Okay, so full disclosure, I had to change my history lessons at the last minute. So I don't have full history lessons. Congratulations, you've survived the major part of history lessons. Wow, great. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, but there is tie, history tie-ins to two things we're going to talk about here. One, let's talk about the Women's World Cup. Ooh. Okay. So here's your history tie-in. In this day, 2004, Germany beat Brazil 7-1 to uh, in the Men's World Cup. By the largest margin in World Cup final history, 7-1, to Miroslav Klose scored 16 goals, breaking the World Cup uh, record for most in a single tournament. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, <laughs> on yeah, Sunday... Golf for Miroslav. Yeah, Miroslav. Uh, let's... Last night, uh, on Sunday, I guess, this Sunday morning, uh, the U.S. women's national team won their fourth Women's World Cup, continuing the dominance of Americans uh, at women's soccer. Did you watch any of this? I didn't, but I heard about it. Fifteen point six million people watched the uh, watched it live. I don't know what that numbers turned out. That's good numbers for today. And yeah. it, uh, did you guys? Did you guys watch any of this? I watched most of this in the morning. Whenever it was on. I was out hiking. You were out hiking. Sorry. Well, it was a big moment for the American women, uh, and I thought it was great because there was so much conjecture and discussion going on about this like women's World Cup team, like in the last couple weeks between. Megan Rapinoe being like the firebrand character and getting tied in. Just noise for clicks. Uh, and then people in England getting mad about the Alex Morgan celebration where she sipped on tea after scoring a goal against uh, against England, 
Which I was like, come Everybody on. loves tea. Noise for, for whatever's British for clicks. Well, I think that's a British only. Like, how, <laughs> could you really, that's a weak celebration to get mad at. Like, I've seen some celebrations that people do. That you, I was like, I'd be more mad about something else. I just thought that was pretty clever, and that's why the Brits were mad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, people were mad about Thailand, about the, the 13 to nothing defeat of Thailand uh, early on. They didn't show any mercy. Um, and then, I mean, there's a lot of things that people were complaining about. And I was glad to see this team of scrappy players, of cra- scrappy athletes fight through and win yet another championship. Yes, all the other countries in the world have gotten better. A lot of these other European countries especially. But if you're going to come at the Queen, you best not miss. And the U.S. women's team dominated like no other. Very impressed. That's all my that's all my hot yeah, takes. We're just watching you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Uh, also, a lot of good memes on the internet about how the women's national team does not make nearly as much money uh, as the men's national team, uh, especially because the men's national team—I don't know if you guys knew this—is terrible. They lost. <laughs> they lost in the Gold Cup final yesterday in a game that I did watch as well. That was not very exciting. Um, I won't play the very vulgar clip, but go listen to Snoop Dogg uh, talking about the quote. Sorry-ass effing men's soccer team uh, on his Instagram rant because it's pure, pure comedy gold. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. very good. Uh, all right, and then last but not least, on 2018, uh, hedge fund billionaire David uh, Tepper bought the Carolina Panthers for $2.275 billion. Must be nice In to 2001? have. 2018. Oh, wow. So I don't have any follow-up for that, but if you guys were hedge fund billionaires and you had a discernible amount of money to spend, like billions and billions of dollars, what's some wild rich person thing that you want to spend your billions on. What would you buy? I came up with a short list of things if you want me to hit you guys with that. Go ahead. So obviously a soccer team. I feel like that's, if you are like a billionaire, you want something to show off to your billionaire friends, right? That seems to be the, like, something you make your billionaire friends envious mm-hmm. about, right? Want to own a soccer team. It's got to be a good soccer team too. Like It's got to be one that costs a lot of money and it's going to get me some prestige so I can be out there amongst the people, right? Also thought, and a little more subdued, maybe a vineyard. Like, just a whole, like a whole bunch of vineyards, right? Just wine country. Just making some money on this wine country. Yeah, it is nice. Um, I just thought, I just wrote the word land down. <laughs> just, <laughs> just like, land. Just, just land. Step three, land. Just question land. Mark. Question, it says question mark, I think. And yeah. then also, like, people say a boat, but I feel like that's not kind of what I mean. I mean, like, a large-scale investment, like, to purchase. I don't know if any of that spurred your mind. No. All of it. <laughs> I mean, you're a billionaire. Yeah, you, you have whatever you want. Like, it's mountain. not even a mountain. You're gonna buy a whole range. Own, yeah, like, you can buy a range. Personal ball. range. Yeah, so that's I can go good. see. That's the thing. When you get some money like that, it's not about like, ooh, which things from the wish list can we afford? It's like literally do whatever you want. You can't run out of money. It's true. It's a great point. Do whatever you want. It's a great point. You want mountains? Here's all your mountains. You want a boat? Here's ten boats. Ten boats is nothing. Still, ten. Uh, where are we at? Oh, 17 now. We've gone so long. All right, let's just do two uh, two mailbag questions from other mailbags, and then we'll we'll close out. I'm actually going to give you guys a quick break tonight because I'm going to make Justin come in here and finish up so he can promote Made in Utica stuff. So oh, wow. he's be very Thanks. excited. Whoa. You're just I know. dropping us like nothing. Yeah, I know. Whoa, it's just cut, cut from the team. Cut, cut from the team. All right, guys. I just got so much to say. I don't. I'm tired. <laughs> I was exhausted I'm tired today, from my guys. chicken bowl. I'm tired. You ever have one of those days when you wake up and you're like, I'm going to be tired all day no, I was. I got to and work was, and nothing could wake me up. My brain felt just exhausted. All right, speaking of which, here's our mailbag question. It ties right in. Uh, Heather, what is objectively the best time to wake up? It's nice to sleep in, but the day is over too soon if you have to be up early the next morning. Getting up early alleviates this problem, but often I find I get too uh, too tired too early. Is there a sweet spot? What is the best time of day to wake up? 8 o'clock. 
think eight o'clock is around. That's sort of where I was sort of sitting in. I hate wasting losing all of my day. So if I get up at eight, I have an hour to get ready and go wherever I need to go. So by nine, I'm out the door and I'm ready. I think that extra half hour makes a big difference for me. That's seven thirty. Mm-hmm. I want I want to be awake when it turns eight. Yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like if that's the case. For me, if it was perfectly ideal, like say I'm that billionaire who's buying the mountains and yeah, yeah. stuff Take like that, I feel like just for your average day, up by 9, out of bed by 10, out of the house by 11. That's fair. If I have billions of dollars, I don't have to go to work, you know what I mean? Somebody doesn't need me every single day at like 8 o'clock in the morning or whatever. I feel like, if I'm thinking about this from this question perspective, I'm thinking about like a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Not a work day, right? I'm thinking about like, I have the day off, what time am I getting up is the best time for me to get up. I tend to sort of agree with the idea that I will wake up before I'm actually ready to like be up and out of the house and just sort of slow roll into the day. But I think I, I tend to wake up around 7.30, 8, mm-hmm. 8.30, depending on how late I stayed awake the night before. I like to wake on. up, stretch, read a little bit, you know what I mean? Drink some water, like take a minute, just getting into the day, diving in. Because like when you're working all the time, everybody knows that feeling like your alarm goes off, you got to jump up, you're like, yeah. I've only got this much time. Yeah. It's really nice to have the opposite of that on like a weekend day. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and here's our other mailbag question. When getting a pizza ordered, would you prefer the slices to be all evenly sliced? At first, I hated the different slices when the lines were evenly shaped. How, However, as I get older, I sort of like the idea of being able to curate which available slice I want from the pizza. No. No? So you no. think evenly sliced? Because no. I'm going to get there. mad if someone takes a bigger piece and I get stuck with a little piece. Don't you appreciate... Nobody should even have to feel anxiety about that problem. See, but I have to cut think like that. It should be equal. Yeah, then why is that? That should small? never even be a thing. I, I tend to cut a regular slice pizza into a smaller slice on my own if I decide that I That's want That's your prerogative. This. Yeah, Once you've your chosen your yeah. slice from yeah, the circle. Yeah, you can do what you want. Once yeah. you've removed your slice from the circle. Okay, I would be upset if I went, dipped my hand in there and I had to get a tiny little piece of pizza. All right, one last thing before I let you guys head out. Uh, we had our first Democratic uh, nominee drop out from the race today. Do you guys know who it was? Yeah, I do. Who yeah. was it? Swalwell. Swalwell. Eric Some Swalwell. guy who wasn't in was in the first place. Come? I was going to say didn't No, he's just a guy. Yeah, just yeah. some guy. He's so if, guy. if you he's had if you had Eric Swalwell on your on your betting ticket for who was out first, congratulations. You were you were the loser, the big loser for picking the right answer. Get a hobby. All right, Heather, Kevin, you guys are are released to the to the wilds. No, I you want to stay on while no, Justin comes so in? Right. Bonus segment after we're out of here. All right. I'm just going to leave it on. And Taste like, and keep it tight, Heather. Yeah, yeah keep it tight. Yeah, bonus segment. Ah. lives. Yeah, Heather, oh, just, said, Heather oh. just said keep it tight out loud. I saw it. She did say it out loud. It's down. on tape now. 211. Justin, come in here. Come on, Justin. Justin, I need you. I know. I want to see Kaz. I'm running out. All right, Heather's leaving. Goodbye, Heather. All right. Thanks again. We're not cutting. We're doing it live. Not cutting it. Justin, you're here. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah, up. no more yet. Enough. I didn't know you were. Yeah, you definitely weren't <laughs> sitting in here the whole time. What's it's good, like man? Your classic one shot. Close your close your computer because you're blocking oh, the microphone. Sorry, I got research. What's it's going like on? A one shot though. Everything's <laughs> moving. There's no cuts. A rare tracking shot. <laughs> yeah, here. tracking here on the from the podcast. Guys. What's yeah. going on, big guy? How's things? Oh, you know, we're going. How did you feel that the parade went this week? I, I didn't plan on doing an interview for you, but well, since there's we're here. it was the first time using the bike, so I mean there was. 
you know, there's some things that we got to work out, but for all intents and purposes, uh, nobody else would know the things I want to tweak and make a little bit this better. Was smoother, but... This was smoother than St. Patrick's Day for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even just the little things of like yeah. really greasing up the chains and painting it and cleaning up the bar, like all these things we did for it is just, uh, it looked a lot better. It ran a lot better. Um, it was a little bit lighter weight, I think, because we reduced some stuff, you know, stuff like that. So it, it doesn't move fast, you know, by any means, but like the whole thing all together, it wasn't... There's no problems, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't breaking down. I, not that I expected it to, but, like... Yeah, we didn't have any of the the fundamental issues that happen anytime you're doing new stuff, right? Right, like, right. So. so, and then also, I was telling people, like, it's literally so easy to use that, like, Damien was driving a portion of it. Like, once you get going, you stay straight, right? Like, momentum goes. There's not a whole lot to it. So, all things considered, it, it went as smooth as it should have, Yeah. right? Like, it's, it's a pretty basic concept you pedal a bike and it moves will the uh you're gonna have it down at the park on friday yeah so, yeah so we're gonna do free tours for volunteer runners or volunteers runners and anyone who wants to dress nice. up in christmas gear in general so if you're gonna run the boilermaker or volunteer in it you can ride the bike for free if you uh dress up in some christmas gear for whatever reason which yeah. we encourage <laughs> yeah then we'll give you a free ride with it too and of course like our members and all that type of stuff will get free rides and, and stuff like that so. yeah, yeah and then again if you're not any of those things it'd be like two or three dollars or something yeah, yeah i mean it's it's pretty fun actually this is, this is more fun doing it this time even from just the pedaling standpoint getting used to the way the whole thing works yeah and i think it was a bit easier to get to our starting point so yes. out of the gates i think everyone's spirits were higher if it wasn't just the weather yeah. but for the fact we didn't have to push the bike this time um, right we were able to pedal this for the most that's part that's true we didn't have to push it uphill in the cold yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about christmas in july on friday though real quick so first yep. time we've done a friday yeah. nighttime event at handshake yeah at handshake yeah, 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 yeah. so it's um it gets dark later anyways. True. And plus, Boilermaker, no one's going to want to do something on a Saturday. No, sir. But it would be kind of uh, irresponsible of us to not try to do something during Boilermaker sure. weekend. Certainly. Especially with the premise of these local vendors, right? Yeah. So if you're going to dump 20-some-odd thousand people sure. in here, like they should reap the benefits as yeah. well. Um, so we're hoping that just out of concept, if there's people who, don't, who maybe come once a year, they can grab Christmas gifts. Like, this is the perfect time to grab a couple of things and take yeah. it home with you and stash it for Christmas time or whatever. Because maybe you're not coming back after the race or whatever, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean there's not still cool stuff to buy here that's not pasta or hotel rooms or, you know, any of the stuff associated yeah. with the race, you know? Um, so people can go to Handshake.City, check that out, Facebook, yeah. Handshake.City. Yeah, and it'll it be a dunk tank. We're raising money for the yeah, yeah. Who's drama. Derek Clark, uh, Derek Clark and yeah. uh, Andrew is going to be in oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So hey, he does I love stuff, it. He does stuff with um, uh, players. Yeah. Um, and obviously he was at the Uptown doing a play when yeah, you yeah. had him on. So there's a good crossover of, you know, uh, Derek with Broadway Utica, Andrew with the players type of thing. So they're, they're theater people yeah. kind of battling each other in a sense and, and see who kind of comes out and supports uh, the drama club for that. So I think it's a good... Uh, theater dynamic I love to it. put into the tank. So two of my favorite people, uh, and I also wanted to come on and talk about the the Next Star Direct TV thing yeah, we've been I seeing on the bottom so of our irritated. screen. I was just so um, irritated. We're by it. we're I'm very over time though. Do you? Yeah. Can oh you, yeah. Can you give me like a two line? paraphrase? Yeah, yeah. Paraphrase for me. So essentially, Next Star is garbage, and they pay everybody garbage. Yes. And they want more money to put their channels on Direct TV. Yeah. Right? So yeah, okay. the whole the whole conflict is is that we were getting this alert <laughs> while watching time. a free yeah which is free that station. you can put an antenna in your TV and get the free station. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. like this idea that these channels are worth anything and that we we should be alarmed by this notice to a company that pays eight dollars an hour to their employees. We should call and say, hey, 
we'd like you to get rid of this bar on the bottom yeah, of the what's screen. the deal here? <laughs> what's like, the deal with the bar on yeah, the screen? I, I'll definitely not get DirecTV now, even if you're on it. But, like, it all comes down to um, it's using that, that platform, too. Which is, it's free television that everybody's entitled to, but there yeah. seems to be a select message being scrolled across the yeah. screen that you can't control for, for just a, a terrible, evil company. Um, it's annoying because we're trying to watch the World Cup you... while they're trying to, to imply DirecTV is screwing us. Right? Like, there's a, there's a good Newsweek article I was actually reading about this. Uh, I'm sorry, Washington Times article. So if you guys want to read more about it, look at the uh, Washington Times article. Direct TV channels go dark as AT&T Next Star deal falls through. If you want like a deeper dive yeah. into some of this stuff. Uh, Justin, before we, before we head out, um, the U.S. men's team lost in the Gold Cup final last night. The yeah. U.S. women's team uh, defeated uh, the Netherlands. Should we take all of the money that the men's team is making and just give it to Well, so here's, because you were yelling at me about my, my laptop, but this was something that I was just looking up when you guys were talking about it earlier. Yeah. The women negotiated themselves a labor agreement. No, right. I know so what you're talking about. Th- yeah, there, yeah, yeah. Are, there are things that they haven't yeah. activated yet, right? Yes. They worked themselves into this own agreement that they yeah, currently yeah. have. They negotiated it and are being paid based well, on a, a labor agreement is, that these women had already made. FIFA so doesn't I get, pay them, though, right? Like, you're talking about the money they make from the NSWA or like the well, no, the, soccer? No, so like your women's team, right? So like if they make more, <laughs> the team itself is being paid by... The national yeah. program, right? But you're not on a yearly salary. You're being paid kind of yeah. to, to perform, but you're and also it's not like a professional contract either, right? So there's portions of money yeah, that yeah, you're yeah. being paid for okay. your service on I the team or whatever. But it it comes back to the thing is like we say NBA players should be paid less. Well, they negotiated that deal from themselves, so God bless them, right? They're the ones who worked but out some sort of contract to be paid. We can agree that the women's team is worth. 50 times what the men's team is worth. Go back to the table. Renegotiate your own contract. I just mean in terms of watchability. Because I'll tell you what. For sure. But this isn't like a plight on all of America overlooking women. They have a contract that they negotiate. You you, you were gone before I came back to that second half. That game was unwatchable. Well, it was bad. I don't even. To to pretend. Wait, wait. We've gone way off the rails. We'll talk about this after we get out of the podcast. Join us uh, this weekend, Friday, uh, 4 to 8 p.m., Christmas in July at yeah. Handshake City. Uh, go to handshake.city.com to donate or be a part of it. Go to maybeutica.com, uticast.com. Uh, you can follow Heather at HeatherWaz1. You can follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow Justin at Made in Utica. Follow me at SFP. Or just follow the show at Uticast. We are on Facebook, SoundCloud, Instagram, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, taking over the web. Uh, that's it. Sign our humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock. The tape machines are rolling. We are desperately out of time, and we will see you next week on the Uticast. That'll put butts in seats. Sure. <laughs> <laughs>